All right, we're back for more, as Rat would say. And uh, speaking of Rat, this uh, podcast is now fully sponsored by Stephen Piercy's at Mike Knuckles. For you comics and rock and rollers, get a pair of Mike Knuckles, man. They look cool, and uh, they make you feel tough, even if you aren't. Uh, we, we, You know, on this podcast, we get all kinds of guests. Porn stars, David Arquette, Tawny Katane, UFC legend Don Fry. Today we got a dude I've known for 10, 15, 20 years on the, you know, L.A. comedy scene. He, he's what they call a real up-and-comer in the business. Uh, you've seen him on film, TV, voiceovers. I mean, this guy is basically the successful version of me. So please put your hands together, your little greasy, dirty sausage hands, and clap it up for Skylar Stone. <laughs> Do I come on now? You're on, baby. Oh, I didn't know when that would happen. You're like, I'm going to do an intro. You know, some guys like pre-record the intro and then they come over. Not like me. You, you, don't, you don't fuck around like that. Well, I don't edit this. Everything we say airs. Uh, Carlos Herrera. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Carlos. I know Carlos. Yeah, I love Great him. Great dude. He was on uh, two weeks ago with Sandy Danto. Uh -huh. And he said the N-word. And I mean the hard R. Yeah. And I left it in. So. You, just, you just like, that's just how it goes. But you know, you're, you're a guy that can... You're you're a guy that can get away with that. You really are. Don't you don't you understand that? I mean, uh, I was actually raised by a black guy, so I never. Uh, you know, it's such an awful word, but I see what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, like you can't. Not everybody can just like, like. I don't feel like any comic could walk out and use that word. Like if Whitney Cummings did it, like the, people would be up in arms. But there's something about you. You kind of fall in that. You're going to like this. And that Louis C.K. category where, like, Louis can just get away with that. I don't know what it is. Like, it's an un unexplainable thing that someone has to have that can't be explained, I feel. Well, I think it, people, if they heard me say that word, and uh, I don't say that word in public. Yeah. In public. Uh, you come over at my house. It's like a ludicrous concert in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, it. Uh, they would know I am the, the least racist person on the planet. Uh, so as long as they know it's not coming from hate. Are you mad that, that the word faggot has become that now? I mean, I have a lot of gay friends because I live in a gay neighborhood. So it's, uh, you know, I don't think anything trumps the N-word. I don't know, dude. That's quickly becoming... Like, dude, like there are, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there are comics that have gotten removed off series for accidentally saying that word on stage in the middle of an improv with a certain um, uh, head of a network right next to the person they were doing crowd work with. Like said, they said that word and then that week they were fired from the show. Oh, it was probably, uh, you know, well, Hollywood's run by uh, not maybe uh, all of it, but uh I mean, you know more than I do. You book more things than I do. Uh, it's run in large percentage by homosexual men. Homosexuals? You're sure. I or mean, women. I, yeah. You know, so I... No, there, there's a lot of gay people in Hollywood, but, like, I, I just think it's funny that we've now taken the comics to, like, you know, like, like our job is to be up there and be sensitive. Dude, I thought our job is to do the exact opposite. Like, that's the mo To be politically correct on stage, I think it is... It's, it's, it's the sweeping death, the black cloud that is, like, looming over comedy right now. And I... Dude, the amount of people that have had to apologize in the last couple of years... Did you ever see Richard Pryor? 
prior apologizing in public and giving press releases. Like, dude, we've had Jeff Ross have to apologize for the Penn State joke. <laughs> Dane Cook having to apologize for the um, the Batman mass killings in Colorado joke. Uh, Daniel Tosh apologized for rape joke. And then the only one to fucking stand up and say I'm not apologizing for shit was little old Natasha Legero saying I'm not going to say sorry I because I, I didn't mean anything bad, you know? Yeah, no, I love Natasha. She's, uh, you know, I remember, that's one of the neat things about this business. I remember doing open mics with her at shitty coffee houses, and now I just was, uh, saw her in the movie The Neighbors. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, she was in Neighbors. Yeah, that's so, right. I just love, like, you know, like, I love your success, and it's neat to see, like, people you were in a shitty coffee house with in Valley Village, like, on the tube. Oh, dude, you never know, I, like, there, you never know who's going to be what, like, you know, I mean, at one time, wait, who was it that was opening up for who? Was it Limp Biscuit or Corn? Who was one of them was opening for the other, and then the other one just got bigger? Who? Was, well, I mean, like well, Limp was opening for Corn, and then Limp ended up getting kind of bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, and then, well, it's like when uh, now I'm a little older than you, so I'm dating myself with this vast knowledge. Kiss opened up for Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, right before they released Alive, because Kiss's first three records sold shit. Yeah, and then Alive blows up, and I think the next tour. It was reverse, where you kiss yeah. the headliner. Dude, it happens all the time. You know what I mean? Like, like I. And by the way, I. You know, you and I could talk concerts forever because I love studying who opened for who or who was at a festival but was billed lower than oh, so yeah. and so, and then one day just blows past everybody. If you look at the Coachella posters, they're fascinating because you'll see the Killers, like the last band in two thousand four, I think, and then four years later, they're the top band, just right under Paul McCartney. You know what I mean? It's fun to watch that shit, but bringing it back to comedy, like, dude, I, I dude, I remember getting like MySpace message from Adam Devine saying, hey, just got to town. Uh, would love to do your show sometime. And then now Adam's way bigger than I am. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it yeah. is, it's funny to see somebody ask to do a show and now I'm going, hey, do you mind doing my show? I'd love to have you on. You know what I mean? It just, it, it happens all the time. You should know? I remember, that's why you should be nice to everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you I should do you it should, anyway. You should do it anyway. But yeah, I mean, that is, a, that is a nice reminder. You know what I mean? I remember when he was like the door guy. Like he was oh, the yeah, little guy in the booth. Oh yeah, didn't he? He was like the little guy in the booth, uh, you know, uh, are you on the list, sir? I'm like, who's this guy? And now, God, that's funny. I barely remember him doing, I, I know he worked for Rita for a little bit, but I barely remember that. But yeah, do, I mean, you never know. Like, I mean, because you also, when you watch interviews of legends that you love and you just hear somebody talking about being a door guy, who's been a door guy at the store? Haven't a ton of guys been a door guys? I mean, Steve Ren is easy. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Ari Shafir, uh, Nick Yusuf. Um, what about back in the day though? There wasn't Letterman? Oh, I think Mark Maron. Oh, Mark Maron, uh, huh? Uh, who's, I mean, many... Uh, Did you ever work there? Um, I, you know, you'd think I would have, because it's more my vibe, the darkness and sarcasm, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm like in a weird place up there. Like, I'm, everyone loves me, but I'm not past, you know, so... Wait, you're not past there? No. How's that possible? Um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I don't know, to be honest with you. But you've, you have one of the most, like... First of all, there's not a comic that doesn't know who you are, I feel like. So you're one of those guys where everybody knows who you are. You also very much stick out. You're not like anybody I've ever met. I don't mean just in comedy. I mean on planet fucking Life. Earth. So like, so with that alone and the fact that so 
awesome. Like Schneider is is has fucking thrown the water on you and said, "Come with me." Who else, who else have you opened for on the road? Uh, I mean, Schneider's definitely the biggest. I mean, uh, he's about it, really. I mean, maybe one or two shows with Russell Peters, but it wasn't like I was the only opener. Like you were his guy, yeah, uh, yeah. But was, still, dude, like for him, to, I mean, for Russell to say, "Yeah, you can do it," like he obviously thinks you're funny, or he wouldn't have you on the show. Yeah, you know I, I mean, mean, you know, he's great. Um, What's the process? I've ne- By the way, I'm not past at the store. That's crazy. But I've never really like, I also have never, you don't see me there much. You know what I mean? Like I'll go there once in a while. And to be honest with you, it's usually when I'm fucked up and I'm already on the strip. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not like in there is that when I do show up, like, it's like, dude, I'm going to stop by the store right now. And then I don't even remember stopping by really. <laughs> well, it's definitely the funnest of the three clubs and you know, the sunset strip Melrose area, but, uh, well, you know. funnest in what's just because it's such a like it's more of like a brotherhood fraternity place or what it's do you mean? It's a frat house for sure. It I is mean, a frat house for sure. And you never know what you're going to see there. You know, you could see uh, it's like the bar in Star Wars. I mean, yeah, it's just every unsavory character in the comedy scene is there. And, you know, it's like the improv, as you know, I mean, you have a great show there. Is it once a week or once? Once a month called Comedy Rocks. And is it usually on Tuesday? I mean, when it's always on a Tuesday. Uh, it's not necessarily like the second or the third Tuesday. It's just it's whatever Tuesday I can make work. And then um, I just, uh, yeah, I like to blow it out, man. And we get great lineups. I mean, shit, our our lineup two lineups ago was um, Jeff Ross, Dane Cook, Adam Devine, Christopher Titus. And I'm missing somebody. And you. And me and... Dalia. feel like... No, Dalia wasn't on that one. I feel like it was Bobby Lee. But I, yeah, we, we we really blow it out. I'd say about nine, ten times a year, it's a benefit, you know? So that helps in getting a lot of the guys to want to do it, you know? But a lot of those guys I've just known for years anyway. And the, the, the good thing about my show is you know it's going to be sold out because, dude, I fucking cracked the whip. Like, I do put, like, a couple young guys on, but, like, they're, they're, they're there to sell some tickets, you know what I mean? And, oh, sure. You know, and, like, they never have a problem with it because I can't tell you many times I've gotten a message where they're like, dude, thank you for having me on the show. I know you were all over me to sell tickets, but I ended up inviting a manager. He saw me go on between Jeff Ross and Chris Titus. He fucking loved it. He signed me the next day. So, like, you know, I've gotten some shit from comics going, I can't believe Skyler treats it like it's a bringer. I'm like, first of all, a bringer show is fucking all guys. The whole lineup is like, it's people that aren't even paying attention to each other and their audience members are even worse. They're not paying attention to other comics. They're there to laugh at their own fucking friend. You know what I mean? And then it's a shit show because it just, the levels goes up and down as far as vibe of the room. I don't think like, I've just had a couple comics like, yeah, I heard Skyler won't put someone on. That's not a name unless they sell tickets. Like, why did, why do you care about my formula? Like if it, if it's been sold out seven years, what the fuck do you care? You know what I mean? Dude, I will say you put me on one. I did uh, put you on one. Yeah. And it was probably, the best set I've ever had. Literally, you the best crushed that night. Ten minutes set uh, I've ever had in my life, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So, well, it was like a fu- it was a great night, you know. And then, see, that's the other thing. And then sometimes I do put pe- like like you know, I, I, if I open up my Facebook inbox right now, all it is is messages of either somebody that saw Con back in the day, my old show, or it's fucking people that are like, "Dude, here's my set. Please put me on." And I'm I I don't know what to say to people because, and I also have a lot of anxiety. Like I have to write people back. I can't. I can't ignore people because I hate it when someone doesn't write me back. Don't oh, I you hate, hate that? It. That's my biggest pet peeve. It's like, dude, even if it's one line, just say, hey, man, sorry, I can't. Just let me know. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I do write everybody back, and it takes me some time, but I have a lot of anxiety because, like, I can just see some young guys going, like, dude, like, you know, who the fuck's this guy think he is? I can't do his show. And they get the wrong attitude, and it's like, dude, like, 
You mean shows I couldn't get on when I just fucking got here that I would have murdered to do? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. I still can't get on most Dude, shows. Dude, there's shows like, I'm not on the 10 o'clock show Friday night at the Laugh Factory. I'd fucking love to be on that line with like Tosh, Dalia, Dane, and like whoever else is on it, Ahmed. That would be amazing. Like, Byron Allen. At every fucking. <laughs> Sully McCullough. <laughs> Oh, dude, he used to call me and he used to go, he will, uh, Jamie Masada, for those of you out there who don't know who he, do you talk about Jamie a lot on this at all? Um, not really. Jamie's the, the owner of the Laugh Factory for anybody out there that doesn't know. Buddy, um, buddy. Buddy, buddy. His famous phrase is buddy, buddy. He calls everybody buddy. Uh, he's a character. I mean, d- d- talk about a guy that could also be in the, a Star Wars bar. I mean, he's a fucking character. Yeah. And so he called, I used to do my show there. That's where I started doing my own show. And he used to call me and like, you know, I would have all these contacts of people I want to book. And you go, body, body, I have the hottest comedy show for you. The biggest and the best. I, I don't do the best, Jamie. There's plenty of people out there that do way better. But he's, I've got the biggest and the hottest names in comedy that you will not believe. These huh. are the greatest comedians. Like, and I'm sitting here like, I've got emails from Dave Attell going, let me know if it's eight or 10. I think I can swing by. Or Jay Moore emailing me saying, yeah, I think, I think I'm cool. Like, you know, I've got all these people. And Jamie is very meticulous about his lineups. Like, it's not like the improv where you bring the lineup to them. Right. Like, Jamie, but even if you have your own show there, Jamie books the lineup. Like, you don't really book it. And so, and by the way, this is no disrespect to any of the comics that I might name in this. Doesn't mean they're not funny, but at the time, this is like 2004, and he's saying, I've got the hottest lineup ever for you. And you're thinking, oh my God, he's going to blow this shit out with like Damon Wayans and fucking, right. and he'd be like, here you go, here you go. Marty Pilofsky, right? Ron Pearson. Oh. Sully McCullough by the way all very funny people but like like he, he would like it would be like this tease like this movie trailer tease of like wow I'm about to have like the fucking hottest show in the world and it's like it's a bunch of vets sure but like you know and like and he would literally tell me you know tell, and I have to write David Tell back and go sorry Dave I can't have you on I'd have to write him back and say I can't have you my show my show's booked that's crazy that's why I took it away from the factory so you know. well I mean the improv shows rock and I've never not seen it's completely packed and oh yeah even if comics can't get on it, they should go and schmooze after, man. I've gotten gigs at your show not yeah. even being on it. Yeah, you know, you were schmoozing and you, you were just hanging out, having a good time. And and I can't remember who didn't show up. It might have been Craig Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was uh, uh, not uh, not Raj Desai. Who's that? Uh, Aziz. Was it Aziz? I think Aziz, Mencia, and maybe even Russell Peters didn't show up. And uh, Paige just grabbed me and said, get up there. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. That was I, great. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I like doing the show at the Improv, um, you know, and, and again, for any comics out there, I, I do get people on and I do get my friends on here and there, but my my formula is six, seven A-listers and then two guys that are in charge of selling tickets and then I try and sell the rest. And I don't even make them sell all of it. They probably sell like 80 of them and I sell like the other 120, so, you know. Well, it's just a misconception that if you have a big show, like, you know, that you can just get all your friends on it, whether it's TV, a comedy show, or, you know, it's not that easy. Well, I also do it, like, I'm not, I, I don't lie about any of this shit. I do it for a very selfish reason. Like, like people are like, why do you even have your own show? Because, you know, like, a lot of guys that have their own show, like, they're still just trying to, like, find their way in the biz, and, you know, I'm still trying to find my own way, too, but, like, I, I don't really need to have a show. I don't, you know, I don't need, I don't need the money. I don't need, like, the stage time. I get good stage time. To be honest with you, 
I got tired of going out there and doing a set right. and inviting producers or a casting director for a job that I'm on the five yard lineup. Like I'm about to get it. it's between me and two other guys. My managers are like, dude, it'd be pretty sweet if you did like a sweet set in front of him right now. Like right. And he's like, that's the guy, that's the guy. And how many times have you heard a comic got a job after they finally like you know? Oh, I think sure. Bill Lawrence even came out and saw. I think Morin got him to come out and see Glassman. I don't really know the whole right. story, but I'm pretty sure that Brent like got him to come to the store. And that's when Bill Lawrence was like, well, look at the chemistry. Like they're hanging out at the club. They're on stage. They're killing it. Girls, guys like him. So, th so there's something about doing a killer set with a killer room. And I got tired of inviting people out and like to somebody, you know, some promoter would just promise me like, oh dude, we're sold out every month. And then how many times have you showed up to someone's show and they're like, God, you should have been here last oh, week. Yeah. Right. You've heard that, right? I want to do a comedy uh, club called you should have been here last week. Oh my God. It, Cause like, I, I can't tell me times guys like dude i'm telling you man we turned away 40 people and i'm like you fucking liar mm -hmm. and then you know i have a good set but there's something about a set in front of a room where it's fucking sold out so finally like you know what you want something done right you do it yourself so i just created my own show and it, I, I'm selfish about it. The only reason I do it is so every month I have a guaranteed room where if there's a director I'm working with on set and some co-stars, I can invite them out, take care of their drinks, show them a good time. It's a fucking networking opportunity for me. It gets me jobs. That's all I do it for. But you're smart, though, because the D'Elias, the, the Danes, and the, uh, Russell Peters, they'll remember that you hooked them up with a fat spot and maybe you get the bit part in a, a movie or a TV show. I mean, yeah. I, maybe I a big part. I, I honestly, like, also, I, I know that... The, the, Everybody's selfish in in their own outright in the sense that I don't know that those guys look at it and are even thankful or like, you know, oh, my God, Skylar gave me a nice spot. I mean, I mean those guys don't need me and they don't need my spot that I'm offering. But it is just kind of win win. It's like, yo, I could use you because that's going to pack the room. And then, um, you know, at least, you know. Like, let's put it this way. I'm not going to name names, but there are some comics that, like, I know they bring girls to my show because they just know it's going to be sold out. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm going to bring a girl because this is the night that, like, I don't even have to, like, worry. You know, because, dude, I've seen some killer lineups at the factory where it's not sold out. I'm like, what the f How did you not sell this out? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, I don't think uh, outside of two or three comics, very few names sell out a show now. It's just... Well, my, yeah, my list is really spoiled. Like, dude, last, I'm not even kidding, dude. Last month I had Dion Cole, Aries Spears, Chris D'Elia, Justin Wilman, the comedian, uh, the, the magician, um, big guy. I mean, he's got like hundred thousand Twitter followers, been on Ellen four times. Um, Justin Wilman, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Aries Spears, Tommy Davidson. And my, my guest list, like I got more like messages and, 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 and people saying like, that's a pretty light lineup for you. Like they were calling right. that light. I mean, it's like, motherfucker, I had a in living color cast member, D'Elia, like the hottest guy in town right now. And like Dane popped it. And you're going to tell me it was, I mean, it's just people, they, I mean, they want like 10 fucking names. You know what I mean? They're like, I live in LA. I live in LA, you know? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, Schneider is uh, a name to add to that list. I've never seen him not sell out a room. It's unbelievable. For real? Dude, four years of working with him. And we'd play some pretty wacky, like a casino in the middle of New Mexico. That's just, it really was like the bar in Star Wars where there's no buildings. You just see this thing in, in the distant, you get in there and it's 2,500 people there. Well, when you think about it, he, um, you know, dude, he was, dude, He's he's one of the greatest SNL cast members of all I time. I think so. His original he wasn't an impression guy at all. That was not what he was. But but I love original character guys. I love them, dude. Well, I mean, he's not only people forgot he started out as a stand up. Yeah. So, but he got famous right away. So, but well, like, stand up was funny though. Like you know, because I remember seeing him on. Correct me if I'm wrong. You would probably know since you know him. Didn't he do Rodney Dangerfield's stand up special? 
the Young mm-hmm. Comics special. I feel like Rodney presented. He did do a Young Comics. I'm not sure if it was Rodney's. Uh, and yeah, he blew up. He, I think he got SNL pretty soon after that. Well, it was. I think it was Spade. If I'm not mistaken, it was Spade, Judd Apatow, and um, Rob on this. And they killed. Like Rob was really fun. Like, but you could already see the beginnings of some of his characters that ended right. up on SNL in a standup. Like the copy guy. I remember seeing a bit where he kind of did the copy hmm. guy. You know what I mean? Like you know, like I, I don't remember what it was, but dude, I mean, he was one of the greatest ever on that fucking on that show. And so, you know, and that was early nineties. And then he's one of the guys that translated that into a film career. And it's not surprising to me. I mean, that's like a 15 year window where like he was in TV and film quite a fucking bit. Like, you know, I I could see a lot of people coming out to see him. Well, he basically, I mean, the number one question I get from fans who were at the show or comics asking me about is he funny or not which is crazy is i didn't even know he did stand up it's like well when you ditch it for a long i mean dude we live in a society where it's like dude you better fucking keep reminding people who you are because i mean dude i'm i get shocked i'm meeting young people that don't know who you two is you know what i mean like right. like i mean you have to understand like you know i have, I have a seven and ten year old and this new generation fascinates me that like you know like the other day we're watching mr mom on tv and my kids are like this guy's really funny who is he and i'm looking like how how do you not know who missed like, who Michael Keaton is? But they're seven and ten years old. They have no fucking idea, you know. I had my first kiss ever at that movie. At Mr. Mom? At the Avco Theater in Westwood. And uh oh, so are you born and raised LA? Born and raised in Bel Air, California. Get the fuck out of here. So, you know, and you know, this is Bel Air in the 70s, so it was a wild vibe there. You know? I, I'm dying to know how you became who you are. How many siblings do you have? Two brothers, two sisters. Are you in the middle? Uh, I'm the baby. Parent. You're the baby? Yeah. Interesting. Parents both uh, deceased, but uh, died two months apart. I mean, it's a great, that's a, uh, it was just romantic. We knew, I, we knew it would happen like that. So. Wait, what, what, how long ago was that? 98. So how old are you now? Uh, 45, man. So you're 45. So you would have been how old when they died? Oh, uh, I was 30. You're 30. Wow, that's a, that's a fuck of an age to lose them. That's pretty young, to, but uh, I, I'm glad it happened the way it did. You know, I, I wouldn't want to see uh, one go on without the Wayne other. without the uh, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. No, there is something. Despite how sad it is, there is something uh, uh, beautiful about like like Johnny Cash's wife passes and then he just let go. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. that. There's a lot of famous stories like that. You know what I mean? Where where people sort of uh, if you don't mind me asking, how did they both pass away? I mean, they were both pretty sick. I mean, my mom passed first. She had uh, she probably had cancer for ten years, but she never went to doctors. She just was like, I don't want to know. So really? She probably could still. Did be you alive. all know? Although at that oh, time, yeah. like, like we, like we, we didn't know as much about cancer. But no, we still knew a lot about cancer in '98. Like, yeah, no, it, I mean, when I would hug her, I'd feel these massive bumps on her arms, like there was like, God knows how many. It was like golf balls were under her skin. And you couldn't talk, like you, you didn't have a relationship with her. You can go, Mom, this is for me. I'm your baby. You're, I'm picking you up. We're leaving today. Like she, she's not that woman. Uh, oh, we had that relationship, but she was just. Uh, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you know. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And then Dad was—he uh, was an interesting dude in his own right. So he was like an adventure man, like Jacques Cousteau. 
and uh, he, he was. Is on, that how he went out? Uh, no, no, he was. Uh, oh, I thought you were about to be like, what? So he's undersea, and he's he's battling an octopus. I thought it was gonna be like Life Aquatic. He's like battling some bull bull well, shark or something. He actually got the cover of Life magazine. Shut the fuck up. Now this, your dad was on the cover of Life. On on the cover, not on the back. You know, like when a girl says she's a playmate, and she's only in like the busty, dusty ad yeah. in the back. That ain't a playmate, dude. You're uh, blowing my. Your dad was on Life. My and this is when. Uh, now I know this podcast is about you, so I don't want to. Oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, but I do. Because oh. my seven fans listening, they already know my great story. I want them to hear yours. But this is what I love about having someone like you on. It's just you, it's just like two buddies at a bar. Yeah, they, um, that's the way it should be, man. Rather I, than straight up like fucking, so, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah tell me about, you know, I don't uh, have any idea what we're going to talk about when someone comes in. Uh, you know, you just you let it fly, you hit record, yeah. and... Uh, so, uh, yeah, my dad, uh, this was when there was only like three magazines in the world, Time, Newsweek, Sports Illustrated, and Life. And, and, you know, that was pretty much it. So to get the cover when he got it was a pretty big deal. Dude, it's a complete, it, it, that's another thing that saddens me. Life is probably one of those magazines where about, I bet you a lot of young people have no idea what the fuck it is oh, or yeah. that it was ever like really fucking important. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I'm hanging out with this chick right now and you know me, I'm an 80s metalhead and uh, she has no idea who rat is that kills you doesn't like, it? rat is my led zeppelin and i know that's crazy to say but just for me it's just but you like it i i don't ever think that's crazy because when i hear people say like how could you think that this band is better than this band like you know do, i i'm a cla i'm a former classic rock dj uh i've gone to um over over ten thousand concerts. I mean, I've done a lot of fucking music, and like it doesn't. It never surprises me. And oftentimes, people love a band because of the time and place in which they heard it. Don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like. You know, I, I was basically a teenager in the 80s, so, like, MTV was popping. Rat was really the first metal band that, that blew up because of the videos with Milton Berle. And, and you know, uh, just they, they were lucky. And, uh, you know, if you notice the mic knuckles I have. I did see that. I bought these from Stephen Piercy last week. Are you at serious? A, at a P.O. box store in the Valley. Are you serious? Hey, he was great, man. You know, I just faced... wait. Did you? Is he doing your podcast? Have you been? Talking? He's coming on. Uh, he was supposed to come this week, but he's a pretty busy guy. So you know, it's hard to get people. It took me three weeks to get you here. I mean, it's oh, yeah. tough. No, it could be tough. Yeah, you know, to uh, everybody's dude. When you live in LA and you're both trying to do what we're trying to do, dude, we're not in charge of our fucking schedules. Yeah, and you have children. Yep, and yep, uh, you know, uh, an actual career. Uh, you have a career. You I'm, you you downplay yourself a lot, and that's funny to me. And we're gonna get into. That. I want to get into that later because you, you make a lot of self-loathing jokes, and I'm curious why you do that because. Dude, you're going to be on a sitcom. Like, you may not be Tim Allen, but you're going to be the... What's the what's the guy he Sidekick. works with? What's the guy he works uh, with on that show? The guy show? with the beard. Yeah. I don't know his name. You could be Richard. that guy in a heartbeat. He just has a cadence that sells. And you have a cadence, dude. No one talks the way that you talk. So you're. it's going to fucking sell. And this is real. This is not like people always accuse me of stealing Stephen Wright's uh, vibe. And I love Stephen Wright. I wouldn't put you in the Stephen Wright category at all Stephen Wright would never go to a metal show Stephen Wright would never you know what I mean like he probably Steve, wouldn't dude I know he wouldn't I know that for I know a lot about him he's actually one of my biggest influences uh, I always talk to people like who influenced him like the three Steves Steve Martin uh Stephen Wright 
and uh, Steve Zahn. I fucking love oh, Steve yeah, Zahn. Yeah. But nobody talks about him enough. But anyway, uh, I want to get back to what you were talking about. So we were talking about I met Stephen Piercy, yeah. uh, you know, and he was so nice to me. I, you know, I basically, uh, you know, got these mic knuckles uh, just so I could get them on the podcast. Uh, and he said, yeah, man, I'll come do it. And So he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Uh, you know, what do you give you? His email, his phone number? What do you I got you? his phone numbers and emails. And, uh, you know, he just left Rat. You know, he quit rat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of people tweeting you. Like, dude, it was so fun. Like, it's always so funny when when everybody knows that there's something that you love. Like, it is funny that like people. I, I like that about people that they remember. Like, oh, dude, I bet your Earl's not doing too good right now. A lot of people tweeted you that day, right? A lot, that and when the Ultimate Warrior died, you would have thought that he was my brother or something. I mean, I had a list comics. No, I'm not trying to impress anyone by saying that. Texting me, dude, I'm so sorry. We, <laughs> you know, the managers of every comedy club in the city. Hey, Earl, I'm really sorry about the warrior. <laughs> you know, dude, I love the police. And people know that, like, I love the police. People know I love the talking heads. Steve Martin, Michael Keaton are people that I talk about a lot. Like, if something happened to one of those people. Dude, Jay Moore fucked with me about three months ago. Because I had forgot on the Crab Feast podcast that I had said, like everybody went around in a circle and said, who's the one celebrity that if they died, it would feel like a family member and you would actually might not leave the house for a couple of days. And everybody was doing, and I chose Steve Martin, but I forgot that I did that. Right. And Jay Moore heard it. So Jay fucks with me. I'm at the Grove and he texts me and he goes, uh, he goes, um, he goes, hey man, you okay? And I go, I'm doing great. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, Jay's just seeing if I'm all right. That's good. He's just being a buddy. Like, you know, like not enough friends do that anymore. He's like, I'm like doing great. What about you, Jay? I go, how's the fam? He goes, cool. He goes, apparently you don't know. And I text back, I go, what's going on? He goes, you might want to sit down. At this point, I think he's about to actually maybe mention a friend. Like, right. just so you know, you know, like fucking whoever, Owen Benjamin's dead. Like someone that I hang out with a lot, you know? And so I'm like, who? And then he just goes, Steve Martin died. He just, he was crossing PCH and a car hit him. I pick up the phone calling. I'm already tearing like, when did this happen? Like, I'm already tearing up. He goes, Jesus Christ, dude. I didn't know this would be so easy. Right. Like, I can't make you cry. He's like, Skylar, I just listened to the Crab Feast. And I still, it still didn't fucking hit me. But like, I, so I know what you mean. The fact that like, there's someone out there that might make you fucking, I don't What were you like? Did you not leave the house? Were you, were I you mean, bummed? I can't say I didn't leave the house, but you know, I, I'll say this about pro wrestling and really the WWE in particular. They kill you, but you know, because the road schedule that they force you to be big or, or they won't use you basically. Uh, but they give you a killer tribute the next night on Raw. <laughs> they kill you, but hey, man, you will be remembered. Yeah, well, yeah. the strange thing was he, uh, you know, long story short, uh, he, he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, uh, which is a big deal because they hadn't talked for 20 years. Um, who the WWE, WWE and warrior. Uh, Why? Uh, well, the, there was a big steroid trial in 94. So basically everyone ratted on each other. Hulk Hogan said, well, I got my roids from the warrior warrior said, well, Vince told us to go to this doctor. And so they literally did not speak for 20 years. Got so bad that the ultimate warrior legally changed his name to warrior. So he could sell shirts with, you know, Vince copyrights, everything, you, you know, ever since Hulk Hogan left, and he didn't copyright Hulkamania or whatever the, the catchphrase was. Vince made no money on when Hulk Hogan would go somewhere else and sell his shirts. So he started copywriting every all the wrestlers' names and all that stuff. So a lot of these guys would leave the WWE and not make money because they didn't have the rights to their own name. Oh wow! So Warriors, crazy as you think that it's and it's. So you think he's loaded, but he's just not. Yeah, you think he can't sell any shirts with the word Ultimate Warrior on them? Isn't that funny that like? 
perception, like, dude, there are so many people that I just assume they're set. And then you actually get to know some people in this town and they're just fucking fighting like the rest of us, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, this, this is uh, kind of a pro. The last concert I saw you, that was Van Halen and Cool in the gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you would think anyone from Van Halen would be loaded. Yeah. Like, beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. And, you know, the drummers had like two or three divorces, kids. I don't know how many ch- children he has, but I'm assuming at least five. And, you know, I'm not saying he's broke, but uh, th- why do you think they're still touring? Dude, when anybody's still touring, especially when you are, when you know they don't like each other, that's exactly it, dude. Yeah. I mean, the police toured, you know, and it was all about the dough. I mean, it really, it really was, dude. Well, you know, you, you know, people don't realize... I mean, you know how much children cost. I yeah, mean, uh, and kids you know, cost. Let me tell you, kid, kids cost. Yeah. I mean, divorces and and alimony and child support. Uh, you know, it adds up. So you imagine Van Halen doesn't even have a record deal right now. I don't think that's crazy to me. I mean, I I I, I don't know that they're also like searching for one. But yeah, I mean, like because in, in today's market, you can just I mean, look at Radiohead, Nine Inch Nails, all these bands just like releasing on their own on their website. The Louis C.K. Five dollars on your site style. You know what I mean? Just like fucking. I kind of like that, by the way. I love that labels are are fucking dying. The only thing I don't like about labels dying is there's, uh, I was just talking about this with someone today. Um, right now there's only two markets in, in concert world. Follow me on this. There's, there's holy shit. You guys are almost way too old to be touring. Like, you know, kiss, <laughs> kiss the two members of the who that once in a while go out still. Right. I mean, go down the fucking list. You know what I mean? Like, like this summer you have Def Leppard and, 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 and Motley kiss. crew and it, we say what it's Def Leppard kiss and possibly night Ranger as the opener. Oh, I thought Def Leppard was with, Oh, oh, you know, Motley Crue's doing their own thing. That's right. Motley Crue's just doing fucking they're their, doing, their final, final tour. tour yeah. Which will not be their final tour. Come well, on. I don't know, man. I got a buddy who who vacations with Tommy, and he's like, he goes, you got to trust me when I say this is fucking it. And I said, why? Apparently, it also has to do contractually with, where they've actually signed something saying, I won't call this the last tour unless it is. And like, I, I don't know. Can, I mean, can you sign something that prevents you legally from touring later if, if you announce, if you sign it right now? I mean, I remember the Kiss farewell tour in 90, well, no, the reunion tour in 96. I think the farewell tour was in 2000 and, you know, it's 2014 and they're still touring. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, people run out of money and people. Ozzy, same thing. 92, no more tours tour. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went to every show thinking this is it. And, you know, here we are 2014 and. You know, Ozzy's still. I mean, but the point that I was trying to make is that there's there's guys that are too old to tour right now because it's the nostalgia shit and and it still sells. And then there's all these youngins, your Miley's, your your Bieber's, whatever, and they're killing it on the road. But there is no in between right now. Do you know what I mean? Where's the where's the rock bands? Okay, in the '90s there was nothing but thirty, like twenty five to thirty year old rock. I'm not. The band being 25 to 30 year old, the, the members being 25 to right. you know, young guys. Like Weezer. Yes, in a band, like making it like at that age. It's nothing but like, you know, who's the next thing and who is the, the old thing? Where's the current thing? It's the first generation where, I mean, other than like the Foo Fighters who, who aren't too old to tour, wh- where's a rock band? Just I'm talking about rock, by the way. Where's a rock band that's in that middle category? Can you tell me I who mean, it is? I'm maybe the Killers. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I give you that. I guess then you could also maybe say Kings of Leon. I mean, when I saw Iron Maiden about a year ago, maybe it was two years ago, I'm like, wow, this is going to be a real 
shitty era when these guys stop and the kisses. I mean, the, the, those bands do. Isn't it going to be weird? Put on great sh- There's no band now that's going to put on a show like Iron Maiden in 10 years. Who, who's going to be the classic rock of this generation? <laughs> I mean, maybe the killers. Uh, it, it's, it already feels co- cool that the 90s are becoming cla- like when I when I'm with a classic rock station and they throw on old Pearl Jam, old Pearl Jam, not new Pearl Jam, old Pearl Jam, old Nirvana. I mean, there only is old Nirvana. I, I'm, I accept, I'm like, you, you know what? That is classic rock now because that is an era that mattered and we all liked it. Even us true rockers love that shit. But dude, right now you got to tell me who's going to be in that fucking category, dude. I mean, I, I can't. Uh, I don't know, man. It's fucking hard, dude. I mean, ra- Radiohead, obviously will be there i mean they're, they're kind of their own thing they're like you know but like but they're they're they're, they're like the pink floyd of this generation every album <laughs> counts every album's like a fucking theme all the songs go into each other you know but like other than radiohead dude and i don't know who would be what is this generation's cheap trick i don't see one <laughs> no i love cheap trick. No, i do too i i don't see one either no i don't i don't i don't see one i don't I'm going to see uh, at the Forum, I think it's July 29th, which was my mom's birthday, Boston and Cheap Trick. Are you going to that? You know, I don't know who's singing in Boston. I think it's the guy from Striper who, you know, a lot of people shit on them because of the black and yellow bumblebee outfits. Yeah. That guy could fucking sing. Yeah. So I think he's the singer. And then uh, Cheap Trick is, you know, the Cheap Trick. I've never seen them put on a bad show. What's, uh, What's a concert you went to? Where you got too fucked up. I don't even know. Do you party at all? I don't I do. I've never had a drug or drink in my life. Oh, really? Ever. Wow. Like last night I played a hash bar in North Hollywood. And uh, that's also hard to believe. See, you're just a fucking, you are a bizarro. I could never figure out how you came to be person. (laughs) I mean, I lived a crazy life. Like my parents. Did your parents party? Uh, weren't oh my dad was a big partier, but then he stopped twenty years cold turkey. I mean, but are you the guy? Is one of the reasons that you don't party? You saw too much. You saw what it did to your dad or their relationship or something. Or? Um, no, my mom said I was the last of the Mohicans in my family. My mom was like, "Listen, you're the last chance I have to have a sober child." Uh, you know, I. Oh, well, so she really pushed that on you. Oh yeah, and uh, so you saw siblings that were falling by the wayside, and, but they and weren't that it. bad. I mean, like my one sister graduated with John Elway, uh, top of her class at Stanford. I mean, the top. Uh, wow. I mean, she was is incredibly smart. Did she fuck John? Um, I wish she did, man. I mean, I could have gotten some hookups at Comedy Works in Denver. You know? <laughs> uh, Great club, by the way. Oh, it's uh, the. I've never played the downtown one. I've all Rob always plays the landmark uh, one, which yeah. is like heaven on earth because yeah. the owner. She's female. It's got like a, a male name, like Bobby, or uh, she's awesome. And that that's you get the sense that's how Mitzi was back in the day. Like nothing happens at Comedy Works that she doesn't know about. Yeah, and, and that's why it's a, probably the number one club in the country. It's got to be, dude. A comedy club's got to be like run by someone passionate. When I've ever gone somewhere, and you could tell they just imported a guy that comes from like the fucking Chili's, Barn Grill, Applebee's world, and and he's treating it as just I'm here to sell food. Food, and this is a restaurant. It's like, no, 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 no. Food is very much an add-on. Food is your upsell, right. but don't ever forget why they're fucking there, dude, because they would sit there with or without food. You know why? Because there are people that fucking sell out in theaters that don't sell food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and they're there for a two-hour show, and they, they know to eat beforehand. So don't ever fucking tell me that the chicken fingers are more important than the vibe of the play. You know what I mean? Putting on a fucking show. You know well, what that's I mean? like the guy they brought in at the improv, who I don't think he works there anymore yeah that's a great example he, he you know for those of you who don't know uh, improv killer club in, in los angeles but he 
that new lounge is kind of like the, the lobby of a Best Western. It's fucking stupid. And, and I've told them. I don't give a fuck if they hear this. I've told them their face. It looks like part. It looks like it looks like a San Jose airport bar. Yeah. I mean, and before it was like this great uh, like cheers type of. Yeah. You know, old everyone. wood bar. Yeah. It still smelled like fucking like Eddie. Like Eddie's been there since. Dude, Eddie told me a story. I don't know if I'll butcher this because I don't remember all of it. Um because uh, I, unlike you, I have had some drinks in my time. Well, that's so. all good. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm saying like, and I, I remember this night being very drunk and trying to, uh, trying to get a, a couple bits of the story. But Eddie is the famous bartender at the Improv. Everyone knows Eddie. There's not a comic that doesn't know who Eddie is. And he's an extraordinary person. Um, he's been there so long. He remembers uh, Robin Williams and Robert De Niro coming in and saying, uh, you know, yeah, we just left, um, uh, we just left uh, uh, Chateau. Yeah, Chateau. Oh, you know the story? I didn't know they went to the improv after. Yeah, they, they, Eddie saw them that night, and so like they had just left there. And but the, Belushi's night, dude. What year would that have been when Belushi died? I mean, I, geez, I want to say like, well, he did this. Animal House was seventy eight. I think he did nineteen. He did a couple eighties like movies. 80. Yeah. yeah, maybe eighty two ish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's just crazy. I mean, Eddie, like you know, there's a guy that like he's seen so much. Like he could tell you so many stories about who made it and who didn't and why they didn't and why they did. And like now they've put him in this bar. He looks so out of place there, doesn't he? Like, yeah. I mean, he, you nailed it with the airport vibe. I mean, the bar is like, it's, I mean, the TV's nice, I guess, but it just, it's an awkward setup as the, I don't know. I just, I don't know why they changed it. But, you know, your point was that they bring in these people who really don't have comedy club backgrounds to, fix up the place and uh, i think the guy came from the hotel a hotel background yeah and uh now now they're stuck with it what are you gonna do yeah no it's really weird the whole set i mean like a comedy club uh it should be nothing but easy because when something's complicated that is the hardest thing to get on stage as a performer and embrace and go oh shit these people had a hard time getting in like there should be no anxiety given to a comedy club should just be run so fucking smoothly dude you know what i mean like just getting on a plane in a very steady fashion you know what i mean do each section one at a time the improv is now set up in a way where like you've literally like what the fuck are you guys doing like it's 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 a hassle dude well it's not brain surgery i mean it's yeah all you need is funny comics to ensure repeat business. And, you, you know, it's, that's really the, the key to me is just good lineups. It didn't need to be remodeled. You know what I mean? It just didn't. You know what I mean? I mean, the store kind of probably needs to be remodeled. But, but I like the store the way it is. I I'm mean, sure you do. I'm sure. Yeah, I get that that's part of the charm. You might be able to update the computer systems and, and you know, I don't know. But it just the store is like the Black Sabbath of, you know, comedy clubs. Like the improv is Bon Jovi. Why do you be... <laughs> And that's a compliment. The laugh. What's the factory? The laugh factory is poison. <laughs> you know. oh, okay, so we're keeping it in hair world. And okay. the ice house is like Tesla. <laughs> you know, it's good, good. It's kind of out there, though. It's normal Pasadena. Well, then Lovitz needs to be, follow me on Lovitz. Lovitz needs to be um, 
a, a, a lead singer. I'm going to let you choose the band. So, but let me give you the setup and then you choose it. Please so, do. So John Lovitz has a comedy club in the Valley. And again, all due respect to John Lovitz. He is one of my favorite people in the business and we're good friends. Um, but you know, he, I mean, they're trying to do something pretty impossible there. It's a three story club. It's at universal city walk, which like people, even if you have it figured out, even if you have the parking down to $2, like they do, I think like just talking people into going, there's something about that Hill. They think they're driving all right. to all the way up to Mr. Burns house in the Simpsons. Like it's too far. It's up a hill and it's 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 in a complex so so follow me on this one so if 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 laugh factory's poison who and you said ice house is tesla and you said uh comedy store is sabbath what'd you say the improv is the improv bon is jovi. bon jovi so love it's comedy club needs to be a rock singer who started it needs to be his second band that he tried to do after his first band and it was it, it's impossible and it barely ever got off the ground but it's a guy that had great success previously well i mean i i, I can't give you one under those exact circumstances but i will say uh, lovitz is like uh you know the guitar player from poison who left four months before they got their record deal and became huge. He just moved back to Philly and said, I got to have my, my wife's pregnant. I got to go. He's like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and he left and literally four months later. They're like bazillionaires. Is that guy is, did Matt he ever commit Smith, suicide? I think was his name. And did he, he kill himself? Oh no, he went back to Philly and or, uh, I think they were from uh, maybe Pittsburgh and uh, you know, slash tried out for poison. Get out of here. Yeah. He was basically the choice but they were like, you know, he came into his audition with like moccasins on and like the hippie, you know, because his parents were like hippies and, you know, and then Cece walks in with like a pink guitar and like two, you know, different colored Chuck Taylors. They're like, okay, this is the guy. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Hudson. We'll we'll see you on the strip. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, Lovitz, I mean, it's just Lovitz. All right, let me do it this way. Lovitz is like uh, Stephen Piercy's band after rack called arcade which there you go came out in like 94 when grunge was in full tilt and boy bands were about to take over grunge bands i mean if arcade came out in 88 it's platinum uh, selling up the ass but uh, just uh, love it. I, I don't think. So there you go. Love it. It's a, it's a comedy club happening. Like maybe when Universal City Walk opened and it was the place to go. Right. But like, again, it, when something becomes the place to go, eventually tourists take it over and Los Angelinos want nothing to do with it. Go down the list. Santa Monica Pier, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard, just anything that tourists want. When I have a fucking person come visit me, they're like, dude, I want to see all the things. I'm like, well, wait, what do you mean? You want to go where I know that's cool? Right. Or do you want to go see the fucking stars on Hollywood Boulevard and take pictures? Pictures, you know where it's stabbed yeah exactly <laughs> you know and they're like no dude i want to go see that shit it's like i know i know exactly what you're saying yeah no, and no. the haha is uh oh boy they're like britney fox they just never had a shot yeah exactly <laughs> i mean there's a reason lovitz <laughs> opened up two blocks uh by the haha thinking oh well i mean that's not a good sign when a competitor's like oh we'll just open up two blocks from you yeah exactly you know yeah so like you don't give a shit you know, it's, uh, you know, you're at the right spot, the improv. I like the improv. Oh, it's great. Paige is great. The manager there. Yeah, I know. she's uh, Rita's uh, awesome. Rita's like everybody's mom. Rita is the comic that, you know, I think she's this generation's Mitzi Shore, to be honest with you. Well, I you wish know. she was at the comedy store. You know, in some ways, God, in some ways, that would make a lot of sense, dude. I I'd mean, probably go there if that was true. 
Oh, I would love to uh, run the comedy store for six months. Would you? I, 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 I well, just the talent coordinator spot. I, I should, because uh, there's so many funny comics like you and like say a guy like Ian Bag and uh, Swartzen. You know, they don't go to the comedy store because they were mistreated by someone, and and it's like you're missing out on some great talent. Well, I think one of the reasons you don't see me there. There's a couple reasons. A, like if you're not a regular and you can't park in the back, parking's a nightmare. Oh. So I don't like that. Um, you know, even when I'm not performing at the improv, they know me well enough that if I go park in that Fred Siegel parking lot, they don't, you know, they don't charge me. Right. You, the rule is you're supposed to, they have their list, the show list. And if you're not on that, you're supposed to pay, but I've just done, made them a lot of money. So they, they let it go. You know, I guess I don't go to the, so the store kind of has that love. It's thing for me. It's like, Oh, it just seems like a pain in the ass to find parking or, and then I got to pay for it. And, but then the, I got to say the other thing, the reason I don't go to the store is I don't know. Like, I just think it's a little weird that everybody has to start by doing like, like, I don't know. I've, I've been here a long time. Like, do I really have to show up for like a couple years on Sunday night, you know, to, and asking for three minutes and I don't know. I do know. Like if you've had I some mean, credits, you don't get to like, you know, I think credits definitely, uh, Get you ahead of the line up yeah. there, but who knows? I mean, I know people with credits who aren't in there. It's just uh, is Swartz on the wall there? No, Swartz is not on the wall. Uh, he probably could be if he just asked. I'm sure he just never really even. I, I think a lot of people. I don't know that anybody really. I've never been told I couldn't be for by, for all I know. I I know who Tommy is. He knows who I am. But I've never really. I don't know. I guess one thing I don't like is when people like, I guess there's a vibe. People try and say like, well, you're not a comic if you, if you don't do the store. And I don't like, I, I'm like, no, you just haven't done a certain thing that a lot of comics have done. I don't think that you're not a comic just cause you haven't done it. Yeah. I don't mean, you feel like a lot of guys say that though? Oh yeah. They're like the store is like the cool place to be in at. Cause they, you know, it's uh, kind of a, like a frat house initiation to get accepted up there. So, but see, as a guy that never had any, uh, any desires to be in a frat, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's part of why I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I want to get in there, you know, just because it's a late night, you know, it's more of a late night vibe there than, you know, like the improv kind of shuts down maybe around one ish. Yeah. Uh, but the store, I mean, they've kept the show going till, you know, 3 a.m. sometimes, mainly due to Don Barris, who, is like the king of late night there. And, you know, I, I've never seen a comic able to keep a crowd, a beat up dead crowd going like he can. So it helps to have someone who could, you know, it's hard, as you know, it's hard going on toward the end of the night on any show. If the crowd's been there for a while. And does he ever, and I don't mean this in like a derogatory way, but like I, I've only been there and he just does really weird. Does he, does he do stand up ever? Or does he always just do that weird thing that he does up there? Oh, uh, it's, he does like a, almost like an Ian bag style of half crowd work, half jokes. Uh, yeah. But Ian's got jokes like Ian's Ian, dude, Ian headlines. Ian is at, a, uh, I believe a half hour at least. Oh yeah. Well, Don could headline. He abs I mean, well, I'm not saying he can't. Oh no, I know. I'm just saying like, 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 and you could say Harlan does a ton of crowd work with his jokes, but I, I'm just, and this is my own, it's only my experience. When I've seen Don, it's just been a very like, you know, ethereal, odd, um, uh, stream of consciousness, 
Like, I don't know. I've never seen him out there, like, working out a bit. Like, I'll see Steve Burns show up or Bill, Nick Swartzen, or not as Nick Swartzen, Bill Burr, and you could tell that they're working out a bit. They're like, I thought of this today, and I stopped by because of this bit that I, I want to get out. I've just never gotten that vibe with Don. Is he ever working out a new bit, or is it just a – have you ever seen him repeat a bit? Like, um, He's got, like, his – probably say 15 home run bits he does and uh it's crowd work you know he does uh, the warm-up on kimmel and if you that's probably a truer indicator of his stand-up talent because uh you know it's totally different than the late night vibe he does at the store which you know he's a little more free form and free-spirited but you know kimmel's a disney show so he's got to kind of you know cater to that audience and the executives and uh you know so he's yeah he's He's the only guy who could keep that place going. I don't really know Don, you know? Great guy. I mean, probably the most creative dude I know. What? Uh, oh, uh, you know, he's got, uh, you know, he did that movie, Windy City Heat. and, and Oh, I love that movie. And that's still ongoing. It's like going to be a sequel. And, uh, you know. Uh, How can you do a sequel now that he knows? What's up? But that's the beauty of that movie is he doesn't know. The guy, yes, he uh, does. Oh, he does. He, he, you know, everyone, that's like the number one thing people ask is Perry must know that this is not really. Now he knows. Oh, I don't think he does. Even no, though he's I seen, disagree with that. I, I don't, dude. Talk to the guy for five minutes. Nah. He's that, I, I don't want to say dumb, but he wants to make it so bad. Well, that may be, but that's just fooling yourself. But there's absolutely. a difference between fooling yourself and actually not knowing. He wants it so bad that he's willing to go, all right, that happened. If I focus on it, I look stupid. If I just keep going and wanting it, you know, it, it makes more sense. And that's where he's stupid. Like he's like that he thinks it's still possible. But I don't think he looks back at that and thinks that that movie that he was shooting within the movie was ever real. Oh, I absolutely do. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I don't either. I, but just knowing the it's guy. It's a genius movie. And, but, so he does that and he's got the ding dong. You know, he's got all these different projects you know so uh you know why does he get so mad at some guys sometimes like 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 he's just thrown like his weight at adam ray because adam used one of the guys from the ding show or something and you know that i i know nothing about other than i think adam used one of his don's ding dong thing uh cast members and uh but if i'm not mistaken he didn't take a character that Don created. He took an oddball that Don used on his show and also used that oddball. Like, well, like it'd be like somebody casting you on a sitcom to play a, a goofy neighbor called Big Earl. You know what I mean? And then, like, you, that sitcom is still going, but you're recurring and you're not locked down. And I hire you as a guest star on another show because I think I saw you on that. I thought you're talented. And I'm like, I want that guy in my show. And don't use, you know, necessarily the same name or whatever, but like, I use you. Like, wouldn't that, you know, it's like Howard Stern, like Howard Stern has all those guys on and he always swears up and down. Like, like, you know, he's got his regular, he's got stuttering John and everybody. Uh, although that, you know what? That's actually a really good example. Didn't Howard Stern, isn't the reason that Howard Stern hates Jay Leno is because stuttering John ended up a correspondent on the Tonight Show, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much doing the same thing. I think Don's, and I, you know, I can't speak for Don or Adam, uh, but just from being a, like an outsider who's somewhat on the inside at the store, uh, I think Don's point was, you know, a lot of the the sketch that Adam and that guy did was based off of info that 
was from the Ding Dong show, and it's like, hey, that's Ding Dong show only uh, shtick. Oh, so, so, oh, then maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm misinformed. I just thought he, he used the same oddball, and like Don thought, hey, that's my oddball. No one else uses this guy. It's like, well, if that guy's out here to make it, he's going to take any job he can. And if a guy like Adam Ray or any comic comes up to him and goes, yo, I want to use you, he, I mean, I, I'm assuming that guy, his phone isn't ringing off the hook. He's going to say yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, that guy, uh, who Adam and Don are like arguing over, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a little out there. So, uh, so I'm sure he's going to take anything he can get. I mean, he pulled me aside once at City Bank and, you know, told me about some movie script he was writing. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, I, it's like, dude, shut, shut the fuck up. I can't just please. I gotta go to my uh, non-union audition right now. <laughs> Are you in the union? Oh, well, here's the great thing. Yes and no. I my I booked my first two national commercials I ever went out on. Right on. 1988. 1988. Uh, is there Pepsi and United Airlines? And I thought. I would love to see those. Are those on YouTube? I've looked because it's uh, one probably is the United Airlines was basically uh, I played an old school football player traveling on a train. Yeah. And that's the beginning of the commercial, how travel has changed. And then the end is Mike Singletary on the Concord or, or whatever United Airlines top plane is. And uh, the Pepsi commercial was a nice hockey commercial. So. That's funny. Oh, it was great. My buddy, I used to play hockey Sunday nights, Culver City. Real ragtag group of dudes, you know, like O.J. Simpson's mailman would play with us. And, uh, you know, just uh, it looked like an Amber Alert lineup playing hockey there. And uh, my buddy's like, hey, I, I got an audition tomorrow for a commercial. You want to go with me? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? So I go in. Everyone, you know, you've been on a million auditions. Everyone's got their, you know, portfolios and reels and whatever. And I'm literally just sitting there. And the guy looks at me and goes, you want to audition too? And so I ended up getting it. I totally lied. I said I was a pro ice hockey player. Uh, I've done that. I've totally lied in audition. Well, I had background my lie because I thought, well, you know, I don't know why. I, yeah, I have a, like a Rain Man uh, knowledge in my head of obscure facts. So I get in there. He's like, hey, do you have any hockey experience? I'm like, yeah, I used to play for the Binghamton Whalers. And he's like, well, who is your coach? I'm like, Robbie Fatorik. And like, so I got the commercial based on my art of bullshit. And it was pretty abundant uh, first day of shooting. I was not a pro hockey player. I could Are you serious? I barely skate. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen this. Oh, it's great. I was the star of the commercial, so they had to use me. It, it was just too much was in the you know, can already. So Were any comments made, like the director? Anybody? I could tell they weren't pleased, but it worked out. You know, The skating was the worst part because I'm in there with other uh, pro hockey players. No one famous, but uh, you know, but it worked out. And then the director liked me so much, he put me in the United commercial. And uh, so I, I, I've totally bullshitted. I someone said, you know, once, um, do you have a problem with height? Like heights? Like, are you scared? And I said no, because this was a commercial where. I was going to be uh, one of the window cleaners, you know, like on one of those um, those little pulley systems. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I've always looked at those motherfuckers and said, those fucking people are out of their fucking minds. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I've always said I would never do that. And so here I am all of a sudden completely lying like, oh, I can do that. And like, all right, now we want to be very clear. This is 40 stories up. And like, I know how tall 40 stories is. I've been in a 40 story building. I've been in a hundred story. I've been in a lot of fucking buildings, right? But I just, I wanted the job, dude. I had no fucking money. This is during the writer's strike. You know, I, I con was canceled. 
waiting had already come out. All my movies, like I was, it, it was like a, if you look at my IMDb, there's like a two year period where- You were hot. No, no, but now I'm talking about, daddy's not doing too well. There's like a two year period where I'm not, you know what I mean? After that shit, you know what I mean? So it was a lull. Uh, I, there's no way I was going to turn out a national commercial. And so I got it. And, uh, this is what's, this is the motherfucker. This is why in moments like this, I believe in karma. Um, I got it. Uh, I said, I'm not, I'm not afraid of 40 stories up. And they're like, okay, we, we want to repeat it. I'll never forget this because they're like, you know, we're cameras rolling. We're taping these interviews, you know? And the director goes, I've been burned before. I've had people say they're not allergic to cats and it's a commercial about cat food. And then on set, we got to deal with a lead actress who's got snot coming out of her mouth. Cause she lied to us, you know? Right. So this guy's clearly been burned and the director himself, not even one of his people was doing this. He's looking in the eyes like, dude, I'm going to ask you one more time. Like, don't fuck with me. This is the moment where if you're fucking with me, you can tell me and you're still good in my book because you can walk out and not waste my time. And I still lied. And I said, yes, 40 stories. I heard you. It's fine. He goes, all right, cool. I get the job. Dude, I was scared five floors up. I was already starting to go, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Right. And they could fucking tell. And they're, they're going, they're like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might have said something like, you know, my stomach. I, I think I just made something up. I don't know. And they keep going. Dude, by the time it got up there, I'm full, I'm fucking, I'm shaking like Michael J. Fox played a game of Jenga. I'm fucking losing my fucking mind, dude. I'm Kirk Douglas trying to get some grape nuts in his mouth. I'm fucking, I'm shaking. The director clearly knows what's going on. And like, the way I got out of it, I just ended up saying, I'm like, dude, I go, I don't know, man. I just, I just miscalculated what 40 stories is, man. He's like, yeah, but I asked you twice. I'm like, I still miscalculated. I pictured 40 in my head and I thought maybe it's just like being up 10. He's like, you were freaking out at five. Even if I had you at 10, I feel like we'd be having a problem. Like not like we are right now, dude, this was supposed to be like the fucking shortest shoot ever. It's barely any dialogue. Most of the commercial was animation and then it cuts to some live action it was supposed to be like all the crew members were bragging in the morning. Like, dude, this is gonna be like a four hour day. It was a 15 hour day because of my fucking nerves. And then at the end of it, the dude, the director took me to his trailer. He went off on me. He's you fucking lied to me. He goes, I could have hired. There were fucking military guys that right. wanted this thing. And military guys aren't afraid because these guys were air force guys. You know what I mean? I could have hired them. And then next thing you know, the fucking commercial never airs. So the only reason I was going through all that was fucking, I'm praying for the residuals right. and for those of you out there that don't know like you do a commercial all right you do kind of good that day 800 bucks for the day after taxes commission you might be clearing four or five but dude like i've it never fucking aired so that was my karma dude fuck for fucking lying fucking oh, sucked i mean i remember in the united airlines commercial i think i made like 27 grand and i wasn't like the star of it i was like that would have been a lot back then too maybe like the third or fourth guy like god knows what the first guy made i like the the featured guy and yeah i was like wow this job's easy two commercials Two auditions. And I literally didn't book anything for 15 years. Are you serious? Like commercial wise. Have you been in any movies? Benchwarmers uh, in 2006. Is that how you met Rob? Uh, no, actually. Uh, I didn't That's e funny. even really talk to him on the set of that. Uh, Swartzen hooked me up. Because I had opened up a few times for him. and uh, For Swartzen? Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, you know Dixon Matthews? I do. He's been, he hasn't been on the scene. He kind of, I, I don't he worked, I think he works for Live Nation now, or he did for a while. I hooked him up with that job, but he, I think he became a cook and, and all that stuff. I, I'm not sure what he's up to now, but he uh, had me open up for Nick a few times because they were friends and, you know, it just goes back to being nice to someone. Me and Dixon were pretty tight when... You Did know, Dixon used to open for Schwartzen? I think so. And then uh, he, he, I don't, I don't want to say he quit comedy, but he found other interests or whatever. And uh, 
Sorry. How'd you hook him up with a job at Live Nation? Uh, my ex-girlfriend uh, works there still. She manages Motorhead. so uh, She manages Motorhead. Co-manages with a, another dude. Wow. And, so uh, is she the one? Uh, I'm curious, are you still in touch with her? I mean, we're not. It was kind of somewhat of a bad breakup, but uh, we're, st- I, you know, I don't think I'm the first guy she wants to talk to in the morning, but uh, we're friends. But I mean, it didn't, it, you, you, she took your call to get your buddy a job. Was that? But post- that was during. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, well, you know. um, if she manages Motorhead, that's fascinating to me. Did she uh, have anything to do with getting them booked on Coachella or how did that go about? Oh, think? I'm sure. I mean, I'm out of that Motorhead loop right now, but I'm sure... Uh, her and uh, Todd Singerman, who's the other manager. Singerman. That was a nice surprise seeing them on that lineup. That was really cool. Well, I think if any metal band could pull it off, it's them. Because they're kind of anti, they're like anti-Kiss. Like they are like, we're not really in it for the money making. You know, even though their merchandise probably sells more than their CDs because the logo is pretty yeah. cool. Uh, so I, I would think that they are about the only metal band, maybe Slayer, just because they're kind of anti-establishment. Are they all, Slayer would never play Coachella, ever. Well, I mean, ever. I'm saying that the fans might be into them, even though they're like, wow. Well, this so is here's a- the reason they wouldn't do it, because of the bros that it would bring to the to the part, to the dinner table. It would bring a type of crowd that does not go to Coachella. Well, yeah, you're probably right there. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I just think, and they that, think about that shit. I know they think about that shit. You know, well, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I'm waiting for uh, the cars to get their invite. To, the cars would probably do well at Coachella. You know, they actually Hipsters. would. Uh, that must have been a billing issue because, first of all, you know, they, they only pay so much for reunions, and everybody knows that. You know, and and, and now Coachella is kind of bigger than the acts itself. It's right. it, it's it's almost an honor, and it, it it really dawns you. It's like, well, you did Coachella, you know. But um, that must have been a billing issue. I can see the cars saying, dude, we want to be first sub headliner or they wanted to be something up there. And Coachella is like, hey, 10 years ago, Coachella, like 2004 Coachella. Yeah. When the Pixies were main stage right before Radiohead. But dude, the Pixies did it this year. They were in one of the fucking small tents, like at fucking five o'clock. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, it's-, it's changed now, dude. Like Steve Aoki and Hardwell and Axwell and Avicii are a way bigger deal there now than say uh, Motorhead. You know what I mean? Like fucking Motorhead didn't get that great of a slot either, to be honest with you. Although I did see the Cars reunion at the Palladium, which was amazing. It was, I didn't get to go to that. I wanted to see it that. It was awesome. The Cars are one of my favorite bands of all time. Four original members. Of course, Benjamin Orr's dead. Ben's dead. They oh, didn't I- even replace him. I think the keyboard player, Greg Hawks, had the bass parts programmed or something. They did just, you know. I got a funny... Uh- I got a funny Ben Orr story for you. I used to work for 1077 WRKR classic rock station in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, they have this annual thing in Kalamazoo called the Kalamazoo Rib Fest. And you know, you know those types of festivals. Like it's, yeah. it's fucking nothing but rib vendors from Texas and Kentucky and fucking, you know, all the barbecue states, Mississippi. And um, Ben Orr was headlining. So like, you know, all the ads were like, you know, 80 vendors, kids, you know, like, like face paintings, balloons, Ben Orr from the cars. You know what I mean? I was pumped. Like I was fucking really pumped, but like it's dude, it was like, it was your classic movie scene. Like, you know how, like, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a good rock and roll movie where you're going to probably help me with this reference. Like I'm just trying to think of like a rock and roll movie where like, it's about the guy the, the, the washed up like like a washed up rock star character what's a good movie like that that just but just every cliche like literally like when he came in for his interview that morning he was late to the interview bloated as all shit but still wearing sexy clothes and you're like oh dude like no, oh dude don't when was this what year 
this, well, I was a DJ. This would have been between 1997 and 1999. Because that was pretty close around when he died. He died uh, early 2000s, that's for sure. I mean, and, uh, you know, I'm the most heterosexual man on earth. Uh-huh. He was a good looking dude. Oh, he was a great looking dude. He was not at this point, brother. Oh, I know. Like, he was bloated. He was late. He smelled like alcohol. Um, he, but other than that, he looked good. Well, after doing an interview with 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 one of our DJs who literally like was on the air talking about how she just got engaged and how excited she is about her wedding, he still tried to come onto her backstage in front of all of us and put his arm. I mean, just all the fucking cliches of like a washed up rock star. It was so sad. Dude. Guys don't care if uh, you know. I I had a girlfriend the last six and a half years. You know, every comic in the city was trying to fuck her. Are you serious? In front of me. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, and even, uh, you know, the girl I'm seeing now, uh, you know, it's the same thing. You know, just guys don't care if you, if the girl is a boyfriend or not. I mean, I'd like to think that nobody, like, I don't know. It depends on, I guess, where you're at in life, but like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think any comics have tried to fuck my fiance. They probably have. Really? Oh yeah, guys are pigs in comedy. LA comedy. But but she would have told me that. You know what I mean? Like she tells me all the time. She's like, "Oh my god, I had a client today that was ridiculous. You know, I showed him the ring and he still was like cuz she works at a salon. Like she'll tell me when it's like a fucking, you know, I actually even had a friend once actually come on to her, but it wasn't a comic. You know what I mean? And she right. told me about that. So, I don't know. I I feel like she would have told me that, but you know. Well, that's my one rule I go by. I never do that to another man's lady. That's a good rule. Well, I think I'm one of the few who does it, but you know. I think you have a couple of rules. What are some other Earl rules? That's really the only hardcore rule I follow. Is now, even if a couple broke up, I will never go out with someone's ex. I just find it that that seems weird. Disres- well, I just did because in my mind, like if someone did that with my ex, I would think, oh, you always wanted to fuck her, and you know, you just waited like a little opportunistic bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I never want anyone thinking that about me. And but you know, that's just a weird rule I go by. Uh, uh, I probably the only other rule is just we all shit out of the same hole. So I treat everyone the same, whether it's Russell Peters, uh, Chris D'Elia, or Boone Shakalaka, who's a homeless guy. I don't know. I, th- I think Chris shits from somewhere else. He might. He's got the. I mean, his shit probably comes out gold. I think. I think Chris. You know. I think he's got a, probably a beautiful asshole. But well, he probably and, did. he and, is and he's a good looking somewhere guy. else. He's figured it's a belly button, some sort of operation. He doesn't I just, shit. I don't think. Oh, you think Chris just doesn't shit? It, it's he's the Midas touch. Maybe it just kind of evaporates out of him. But I'll say this: I remember. Maybe me- maybe he has shitty breath because it comes out. Maybe it just kind of comes out as like air cells. You know, he's he's uh, his life is good, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Chris. You know, Chris is playing his cards right. I told him this the other day. I go, you keep playing playing your cards right, man, and it, like it, it, you're gonna, you know, everything's gonna, it's gonna happen beyond his wildest dreams. You but know he's I mean? nice to everyone, at least as far as I know. Uh, he's but he's a- not fake nice. That's what I like about Chris. There's 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 real life nice. And then there's Hollywood. I want to keep working. I want you to think that I am the easiest person to get along with. And this is a personality that I've acquired because I've seen other successful people be this way. Like, like almost, okay. Have you seen, this is a great example. Okay. This is probably why I like Chris. Have you seen Lost in Translation? I have not. Okay. Well out there, I guarantee you a lot of people have. Anna Ferris plays a character that's allegedly based on, um, Sofia Coppola's, Sofia Coppola wrote it and directed that movie. And she has, 
and because of how famous she is, you know, fucking who her dad is, who her, she relates to Nicholas Cage. She's met a lot of famous people. And in her time, she's spent some time with Cameron Diaz. So um, she based a character on Cameron Diaz and like, dude, Anna Ferris plays an actress in Lost in Translation who's just so like, just everything's so like, you know, like if this, if she's here right now, she'd be like, wow, hi Earl. Whoa, so you like hockey. Right. Whoa, look at all this hockey. That's neat. You know, I like hockey. I don't know much about it. Like, oh my, where'd you get this couch? Like just everything's just really like, she's just trying to be like the coolest person. And she's like, you know, we should do yoga together. Dude, besties, best, like immediate besties, immediate, you know, whatever. And, like I don't think Chris plays that game I see a lot of comics that make it I'm gonna leave them really anonymous but I see a lot of guys that make it and when they stop by the clubs after they made it it's the fakest like hey man I know that you're looking at me wondering if I'm still a cool guy so I'm just gonna turn on cool guy syndrome right. to a, an 11 you know what I mean and you're gonna fucking tell everybody like god man not only has he not changed he's gotten nicer you know what I mean like whatever Chris I mean he's a nice guy with some edge to him and he doesn't fucking erase the edge for anybody and he it, but he's still not a dick and he doesn't wield his fucking shit around and that's that's what i like about him oh he's been nice to me when i met him i think uh, maybe like oh seven yeah when he was at a shitty open mic in the valley he's as nice to me today as he was then and same thing with russell peters i mean this is the biggest comic in the world 22 million dollars last year and we we don't even talk about comedy we talk about kiss Wow. So, you know, I'd rather talk about comedy. He loves Kiss? Oh, he's a huge Kiss fan. I'm trying to get him to fun. He really it. is into fucking metal and shit. You know, uh, uh, Russell's really excited that um, um, I'm, I'm supposed to get Marilyn Manson to be my next uh, Comedy Rocks guest. He's going to be my interview. And he, dude, he, Peters is like pumped about that. He's like, dude, I'm doing that shit. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I know he likes fucking dark, you know, rock and metal and are you only into metal or do you like rock i mean i like bands like the cars uh i'm more of a probably 85 percent metal but i like uh talking heads you know they're i like their hits you know mm -hmm. like uh, wild wild life and uh, yeah you know my ipod has, has been stolen twice in return within five minutes because it's <laughs> It's like winger and yeah. I, I mean i'm definitely more of a butt rock because uh, it was the, like the the prime of my teenage years was bon jovi poison winger uh, you know white snake uh, you know you know bands like that so you know springsteen uh, you know i think everyone likes springsteen you know, I love even, Springsteen. Even if you don't like his music, his concerts. Now, I haven't seen him since Clarence died because that was just like Clarence was my guy. Uh, I just met him. I met Springsteen uh, two weeks ago in front of the improv. Nice guy. Very nice. Took a picture of me and everything. I yeah. mean, that that guy is like, to me, he's this generation's Elvis. Like, he's the real deal. Like, you know, people, I think, will be real bummed out when he start, stops touring. You know, cause I don't think he will until that motherfucker has no legs. I hope there'll be no more E Street Band because he'll all be dead. But, yeah. You know, uh, but I love how when he does, I think he still does it uh, when they play 10th Avenue Freeze Out and he does that part where uh, the big man joined the band, he'll... The song stops and, it, and Clarence will appear on the big screen. And it's just like, I love shit like that. Oh, I love, dude. You know, I, I, I'll go to a concert just because I can't wait to see the the honoring of whoever isn't in the band anymore. Oh, I love that. Like, I've seen McCartney so many times and it never gets old that he'll, you know, he tells some of the same stories every time. He pulls out a ukulele, talks about George giving it to him. And I cry every fucking time. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. George gave Paul a fucking ukulele. You know what I mean? And like, he'll play something in the way that she moves. And you're just like... You're just fucking dying. You're like, dude, this is what I wanted. You know, like McCartney does that. Uh, Dave Matthews properly honors um, um, 
Oh my God. His name is fucking, ah, the black guy that died in Dave Matthews band. I can't remember. Well, there's um, a black guy in Dave Matthews. Band? <laughs> yes, there's several. Well now, you know, the last show, speaking of black guys at concerts, what I found really cool about Van Halen was they had cool in the gang opening. And the story I heard was Eddie and Alex didn't really want them. David wanted them. And they were like, Hey, if you want them as our opener, you pay for them. And he did. So, wow. I thought, and I've never seen uh, an opening act go over as well as they did that night. Oh, I thought they did great. I mean, I just remember looking around Staples and the whole crowd, and you forget how many hits Cool and the Gang had. At least I did. I for sure did until that night. At least that, you know, okay, Celebration and then Johanna or Joanna. Well, they don't all sound alike. And so, like, they're one of those bands that made a lot of hits where you're like, oh, that's them too. Oh, yeah, they have that kind of sound too. Oh, they can go at that tempo too. Like, you you just, you really only think of Celebrate, honestly. Yeah. You know, they have more than, they've got some hits, dude. What's like who, uh, the guitar player from Kiss in the 80s, a guy by the name of Bruce Kulik, uh, He's in Grand Funk Railroad now. So I went to go see him because I know him through my ex. And Grand Funk is the same thing. You're like, I only thought they sang we're an American band. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I forget the names of their other hits, but it's like, oh, I didn't know they did that song. And it was like, wow, it was a pretty good show. A lot of bands will surprise you. I saw the Guess Who ones. I'm like, oh, you got more than that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, they'll, They'll all... Surprise! You know, unfortunately, a lot of bands get labeled one-hit wonders when really, no, they were more than one-hit wonders. Just only one really survived the test of time. You know, one yeah. of their hits, and that that happens happens a lot. But when you go back and look who charted like on the top ten consistently, you're like, wow, that person had that many hits. It, it's it's very surprising. Yeah, well, I mean, Rat kind of gets labeled as a one-hit wonder because it just round and round was like the monster hit, and then you know, but you know, Lay It Down and other love Lay It Down, drop D tuning of the great Warren D. Martini and uh, Robin Crosby, who I had a friend. This is this is one of the reasons I like doing the podcast. I had Tani Katane on, who is still is stunning. She used to date Robin. They were childhood sweethearts. She gets up after she did the podcast. I had a frame Robin Crosby picture when he looked beautiful. I mean, I'm telling you, he looked like him and Benjamin Orr, like just like, wow, these guys are good looking. She started crying. I said, you could take the picture. Are you serious? Yeah. And she like, you, you wouldn't think a girl like Tani Katane would still be in love with, with someone, you know, she, you know, I mean, he died in 2000, uh, I think four and you know, they hadn't dated in 20 years, but you could tell that was still her first love. And it was just neat. Oh, wow. Need to see, uh, you know, that's funny, man. So I'm telling you it's time and place, man takes you right back dude there's so many fun. i mean you know my stepson just discovered uh guns and roses recently and this is great because I, I used to have to take him to justin bieber concerts i'm gonna support my kid with whatever he's into and like you know i mean i remember my dad taking me to a debbie gibson concert and a new kids on the block because i didn't know any better yet and you know i didn't learn what rock was so you know i did my best to influence him but he's like no everybody at school loves justin bieber i'm like God, please make this go away. And I think God listened to me because right after that, um, Bieber started turning an asshole and kids don't, kids don't really want to, to hear that you're being a fucking asshole. They don't mind if your lyrics are about that, but they don't really like, you know what I mean? Like once he heard that, like, you know, he's doing the bad shit that Bieber's been doing. My kid was like, I don't like that guy. He's like, you know who I like? I'm like, what? He's like, well, I just came home from the skate park. He was, there was a song playing. It begins like, 
he's like it's about a jungle or something and i'm like oh all right so you've seen the light and i taught him about guns and roses and dude he is fucking obsessed and it's funny because he found them at the exact age i found them i was in second grade 1987 and that fucking album came out this little this this asshole that lives across the street from me he he turned out to be a fucking major douchebag named peter but the best thing i ever got out of him was he turned me on to guns and roses and dude that fucking album takes me right back to like 1987 seven tops cards with the wood border those baseball cards yeah. you know fucking 87 was great dude slip and slides just came out fucking guns and roses oh my god dude like that's that's an album that takes me right back you know i mean like you like rap because you really like that time in your life probably yeah and well i like guns and roses because uh, i remember what they used to play that welcome to the jungle uh when we were warming up for the hockey on sunday nights at that culver yeah. city rink and uh you know, this is right as they were peaking. It was like, wow, this band's pretty cool. And uh, they got huge, man. I mean, you know. What, what, what rock band have we seen get that huge since then? I don't think we have. I mean, the boy bands uh, for, for a, you know, a two year, three year period were, were pretty massive. But I'm saying what rock bands? Oh, uh, boy. I mean, uh, even Radiohead's never gotten that that big. There's still too much of an of a critics band. They, they, you know, they could never sell out as many nights in a row at Staples as Guns N' Roses could have at their at their peak. peak. Well, you know, they you know, my buddy drums for Slash now. And like it's it's a great gig for my friend who was basically doing music open mics. And then he would get these shitty gigs like drumming for the Bullet Boys and like these D-level hair bands. And then he somehow got hooked up with Slash. And now he's playing arenas. I think they're opening up for Aerosmith. Yeah. Which, uh, but, you know, that... Has that started yet, that tour? Not yet. It's I think uh, my buddy's coming in town for two weeks for rehearsals. So it's coming. But it, So I'm happy for him. But Slash is happy doing his own thing. So I don't think you'll ever see a reunion. Oh, no, that won't happen. You that know? will not happen. And that won't happen not because of Slash... Although, no, I've, I've actually seen some interviews where he's like, listen, man, he's like, um, certain things would have to be said by that man. And I know that man won't say them, you know, talking right. about Axel. And it's like, you know, he's got a lot of respect, I think. You know what I mean? At a certain point, you know. Um, and here's the thing. Guns N' Roses, they still sell pretty well. I mean, they're doing that residency in Vegas right now. You know what I mean? And they'd sell a lot. I mean, dude, if they if Slash and Axel reunited, you wouldn't even need the rest of the band. You wouldn't even need Duff. If those two alone stood back to back at a concert, you could do eight nights at the Forum, I think. Eight. I, I'm, I think I'm you would need it. the... You, you, I, think, I mean, I think you would need uh, Izzy and Duff. Uh, you know, Adler literally can't drum anymore. So he's... You could get Matt Sorum to do his gig maybe have uh adler come do a song or two but you know because i watched slash and my buddy play at the wiltern and we sat next to adler and i looked over at him and he was like basically in tears going fuck that used to be me up there i mean he was bummed out yeah because my friend's a killer drummer and he was nailing the guns and roses stuff and I, i could tell adler was like i used to have that ability can slash play guns and roses songs on his tours yeah oh he does he can He's got like you know he's he had Slash in the what, Slash or Snake Pit, so he's got those albums to play on, and now he, I think he's got two albums. No, but legally, oh yeah, he could do it. Why is that? Well, did he probably did he, uh, did he have some of the writing? I'm oh I'm because Ben Orr. I'm not kidding. When Ben Orr when Ben Orr um did the Rib Fest, uh, he could play Drive right, and he could play. There were like probably the songs he wrote. There were three hits he could play. 
and they weren't the major. I mean, Drive was a pretty major hit, but it wasn't one of the top three by any means, you know? Well, I think that was the the bone of contention. You know, the Cars had a pretty meteoric rise, and then, you know, their album in 87, uh, Door to Door, kind of, I don't know. I mean, Heartbreak City was uh, such a huge album in 84 that, you know, this next album was probably destined to bomb out. But I think, or deep down, everyone thought, you know, the songs, he wasn't getting credit for singing some of the songs. They all thought it was Rick O'Case. Oh, yeah, everybody did. Yeah. Even in the Drive video, when it's clearly him singing the song. There's still. O'Case yeah. is kind of the, the the featured part of the, the video because of his association with Paulina Porsakova. And what other say he sang, uh, well, uh, Bye Bye Love and uh, uh, My Best Friend's Girl. I mean, he sang most of their huge hits. But, but. Why can Slash? Because I thought there's a big thing where you Sla can't play stuff if like you didn't write it. I don't something. think so. That not that I'm aware of. But when I saw him at the Wilter and he did uh, the singer, he has a, a guy by the name of Miles Kennedy is uh, awesome. He's not Axel from the. It's a different sound, but it's he, so that's not a thing. I why why am I thinking? I mean, why have I been to so many concerts? And I'm thinking this. I I thought like you legally can't play certain songs. But, but then again, I guess people do covers all the time. So yeah, I don't, I think, uh, no, I think what you might be thinking of is Axel has uh, basically banned Slash from appearing at any Guns N' Roses shows. Like, Slash cannot go watch Guns N' Roses. I don't think he gives a shit. I don't shit, think he would want to. I think he wanted to go to, like, one show. Maybe they did one here and... You know, Axel was like, if he, if I see him in the building, I'll walk out, which he probably would. He's so crazy. What's but the, you know what? He was so nice to my son um, two weeks yeah. ago. He met my son at the Golden God Awards. I went backstage. Uh, Duff McKagan gave Jaden um, a, uh, a his one of his picks. Um, uh, uh, Axel took a photo with him. And he also, uh, DJ Ashba took it. I mean, everybody took it. It was amazing. Frank Farah gave him his hat. Everybody loved him. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I used to live in the same building as Stephen Adler, so I'm, uh, and that was a trip, man. I mean, he'd always have these late night episodes, and the black security guards there loved him, but they they didn't know who he was, and you know, so I'm partial to the original lineup. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's just like a tribute band with Axel singing, though. Yeah, it's not. It's not right. But they're all talented. DJ Ash was a great guitar player, and Frank Fair—he's a great drummer. But it's just—it's I just—I th I think it's you know I like it when somebody oh you know what I'm thinking of about the song thing I'm thinking about like you know like even Steve Perry toured but he didn't tour as Journey like you would tour Steve Perry right I mean uh, and John John um, Steppenwolf guy. Uh, John K. Right. John K would tours John K. It would say John K from Steppenwolf. So I'm I'm always surprised by the guys that tour as themselves and, and, and say from blah blah blah. And then the guys that still tour and say, No, I'm still Guns N' Roses. Like, like what's that all? Like I, I, like when does that happen? Is there a reason why sometimes it happens the John K I've seen bills where it says John K from Steppenwolf uh, on some festival and then it'll say Steve Perry from Journey, you know what I mean? But like, but then some guys just tour like Sublime still goes around like they're Sublime, even though they don't have a lead singer. And then you see the reverse. You see Axel going around, but not with any of the band. Uh, sorry, that's uh, Lois, everyone. Lois is. making a case. Lois has an opinion on this. Ch Lois chiming in on the- What was uh, that, Lois? Lois. All right, Lois is, uh, I got her at Michael Vick's ranch. She's a little shattered right now. 
Undefeated, twelve and zero. Uh, well, you see I'm what saying though, like, why is it? Why does it go down some t- different ways like that? Touring. Uh, well, you know, I think it uh, depends on what type of split you had. Like Stephen Piercy from Rat, uh, like he's playing the Whiskey on June thirteenth, and it's being billed as Stephen Piercy, the voice of Rat. He uh, he had a pretty bad break with Rat. New years breaks. Um, well, I mean, there's uh, that's why I want to get him on the podcast because he. He says uh, he got fired. They say he quit. Uh, and then he was touring at one point, just saying rat. And then they were like, you can't say that. We're rat. Which it, Now, their story is insane because he founded the band in San Diego, but he doesn't have the rights to the name the guitar player and drummer do. Why? And they were brought in from him. Well, I don't think he probably had the best lawyer. I mean, it was like... Uh, you know, you, that, that just doesn't make sense to me, which would be my first question. You founded the band. Yeah. How do Bobby and Warren own it? And it's a real interesting dynamic with them because, like, they make more money with him singing, obviously. He's the voice of the hits. The guitar player comes from family money. So he's like, well, I'm not going to go play, you know, a rib fest in Jacksonville for $2,500. I don't need to do that. The drummer needs the money, divorces, kids, all that stuff. So it's like, and the bass player's got a recording studio, so he makes money, you know. So it's a real interesting, like, how, how the inner workings of a band are when one guy doesn't need a tour, the other guy desperately needs a tour, but he hates the singer who he makes the most money with. So it's like... Well, now you got, uh, I mean, that's the talking heads in a nutshell. You know, David Byrne owns all the publishing. David Byrne has had a successful solo career. David Byrne has made feature films. He has scored movies. He's doing just fine. But then you got fucking Jerry Harrison and and and, and Tina... Uh, um, Tina Weymouth, I think it is, uh, you know, they're, they're just fucking, you know, they're like, dude, we would love to get the band back together, but David hates them. And it's all, it's almost his way of going, motherfucker. I dude, he, David Byrne headlined the Hollywood bowl in 2005 arcade fire. There's another great one earlier. We we're talking about people opening for people. Right. Arcade fire opened for David Byrne. You know what I mean? Now look at arcade fire. Right. Fucking huge. Uh, do you like arcade fire? I mean, uh, they're a little too modern for me. A little too modern for you? I like, sh- I don't You were so it. like my friend Darren Gear. You and Darren have to meet, dude. My buddy Darren, um, uh, he's, uh, He's way up at a multi-billion dollar company at a... Um, I want to meet him. <laughs> in Irvine. Well, it's not his money. He's just way oh, up there as mind. far as like a position. But um, he, he works in Irvine, but he still runs a band. Uh, he's got a band called Deaf Tiger. And uh, they're very much named... His favorite band of all time. Two favorite bands of all time are Def Leppard and Rat. And he likes Rat on a level that... It, it, like we've we've had... Him and his wife and me and other people are like, dude, it's unhealthy how much you like rat. So whenever you talk about rat on Twitter, I'm always like, I got to get you two together. If he fucking found out you were going to have... Uh, Tony uh, Katane. Who you have an over from Stephen Stephen Piercy. Yeah. He would want... First of all, Darren is an audio engineer. He would want to be at that computer running the fucking... Oh, do it. Do dude, it. I, <laughs> you should know. act like he's the audio engineer during that episode. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He would fucking... I mean, you know... Well, I owe everything about this podcast to Ari Manis, who's a really funny comic. Uh, you know, if you notice the sound quality on the first couple inappropriate earls, maybe it wasn't the greatest because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and you know, dude, if you... I, I don't know how... Now I know how to operate it within relative competence but uh you know ari's been awesome like setting the mics up and you know because you know obviously i want the podcast to do as good as it can and 
it's going to be compared to the top ones. So, you know, I'm embarrassed at some of the uh, early episodes, but. But you don't like a lot of modern music. Do you like Tool? There t- you know, I like music where you don't have to think about the lyrics. Like, you know, when Kiss is singing Lick It Up, you're not going, what's he talking about? Yeah. You well, know. no, I know Tool's an art band. They're like talking heads or, you know, they're an art band. They, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not a smart person. I make no bones about that. I'm, you know, I'm straight smart. But, uh, you know, I don't like R.E.M., U2, singing about the rainforest. I want Van Halen. I ain't talking about love or you know, the guy I'm obsessed with more than Rat. And, and and I'm obsessed with Rat just because it meant so much to me as a kid. Is this guy by the name of Vinnie Vincent? I'm trying to get Russell Peters to fund a documentary uh, on who? Okay, the original four members of Kiss were. I'll give you the shortened Wikipedia version: uh, Ace, Paul, Peter, and Gene. Peter, Chris, Ace, Paul, Peter, Peter and Gene. Gene. Uh, Peter and Chris, wait, who who is touring with Kiss right now? Well, that's a whole different animal. Well, who are the two that are still in? Uh, well, Gene and Paul, and then it's my friend Eric Singer, uh, the drummer. So Gene and Paul are still in. Gene and Paul are still in it. Uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. Who are the two that are out now? Uh, Ace and Peter. Ace Freely, Peter. Ace Freely, Peter, Chris. Chris, yeah. So uh, my friend Eric Singer is the drummer. Uh, the guitar player, he's an interesting dude. You uh, used to be in a Kiss tribute band called Cold Gin, who my uh, ex from Motorhead managed Cold Gin, uh, and he played Ace Freely. It was also in the 80s band Black and Blue. When Kiss first got reunited, Ace was so bombed out and was so used to playing sloppy since, you know, 83 when he left the band that Tommy, who played Ace in the tribute band, had to reteach him his own solos. Like he, that's like me trying to tell you how to tell your jokes. It's yeah. Like, Skylar, that's not how you did it. Yeah, yeah. You did it like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's so, uh, Wow. So Ace leaves and they're like, you know, their reunion tour was crazy. That You know, I think in 96, you know, the Kiss reunion was mammoth. Uh, and, you know, I think... Probably the highest grossing one that year. Right? Oh, my right? God. Maybe the, those first two years they reunited, they were double nights and every... They have such fans. Well, they're morons, but and I'm one of them. But they're huge. And, but like, that, you guys, you guys don't just go. You are merch whores. You guys... I'm looking at your place right now. Like, you guys are why they are touring again. <laughs> and I'm not even that much of a Kiss nut swinger. I mean, you know, I'll buy the CDs, maybe a t-shirt or two. But uh, so now Tommy is Ace. He dresses up as Ace in Kiss. So, you, you know, but Kiss's history is so crazy in terms of who's played on what albums, whatnot. So Peter leaves in 80. Eric Carr comes in to be the drummer. Not Eric Singer, Eric Carr. Ace leaves in 83 and is replaced by Vinnie Vincent, who wrote Lick It Up. He wrote basically wrote the whole Lick It Up album. Really? Vinnie Vincent, Lick It Up is basically a Vinnie Vincent solo album. So when does he leave the band? Well, this is a great story. He was such a maniac. In what he, sense? I mean, that's a broad term. Wow. Druggy. No, no. He, he Basically, his tenure in Kiss is so fascinating. You know, he writes Lick It Up, the whole album, Eight of the ten songs. Kiss is, you know, Kiss was in real rough uh, territory in the eighties. You know, they put out Unmasked in eighty, that bombed. They put out, they were trying to rip off Pink Floyd, so they put out a concept album, The Elder, which is one. It's not as bad as it, that. Totally tanked. You know, they do one hard rock record, Creatures of the Night. It kind of tanked, so they take off the makeup. Vinny's in. Vinny was the last uh, member in makeup. 
He was the Egyptian warrior. A great Egyptian onk on his face. Killer design. He kicked out a kiss three times in two years. But he was so talented, they kept bringing him back saying, fuck it. He was basically like, I don't want to be a hired gun. I'm a member or I'm out. And Gene and Paul, you don't talk like that to them. They're like, hit the road, bro. We'll get anyone to play these songs. Gene is, have you met him? I, I met him uh, a few times. Pretty stuck up, dude. Well, I had a great dinner interaction with He's him He's pretty once. stuck up, but go ahead. So finish the story about Vinny Vincent, why I'm obsessed with him. So, he gets But then tell me that dinner story because I want to know that too. Oh, it's great. He gets kicked out of Kiss. He forms the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Any good? It doesn't hold up, but at the time, this was in full butt rock era. It, it, you know, anyone who's worked with Vinnie will tell you. <laughs> There's something so funny about you saying butt rock. Like, I know what it means, and I've heard the term, but when you say it, it's just hilarious. Well, if you YouTube Vinnie Vincent and, and just the video so over the top, guitar solos that go on way too long, Anyone who has worked with him will say the same thing. He's one of the most talented Van Halen-like musicians you can be in a room with, but he's his own worst enemy. And so two years later, he gets kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Of his own band? Yeah. I mean, that's impossible. Wait, but... And then they go on to... Why is he, so he's not... It's not drugs. It's not women. It's not fucking other... Why is he so... He's just... Is he just one of those people you're like, dude, he's annoying? Well, I mean, even Rolling Stone tried to contact him because, you know, Kiss just got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that so he's just a, difficult to get along with. He's just not a nice person. You know, uh, they were interviewing Mark Slaughter about him because Slaughter was the second singer in the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. The first singer was Robert Fleischman, who was the original singer in Journey. So that's a whole, I mean, his just history is so crazy. And Mark Slaughter was like, he's one of the most brilliant musicians I've ever worked with, but he's he just is never satisfied. So he's always like, we can do better. We can do better. We can do better. And, and he's just burned bridges with everyone. And, and his personal life is crazy. You know, he sued kiss like five or six times. He lost every time his first wife ended up being a prostitute and is found chopped up in Connecticut. Uh, was he accused? No, no, it was, uh, John did it to her. Uh, who's John? John Doe. I mean, a John, a, a, you know, a hooker. Oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. And, you know, he, he used to write jingles for Happy Days. I mean, it's just the craziest vagabond musical lifestyle That's story. fucking crazy. But his story has never really been told. Like Gene and Paul, he was a maniac. You know, he was he he didn't want to you know be a team player. You know, the guys from Slaughter were like he was a great guy, but he was a maniac. And I just think it would be a great documentary to find him. Rolling Stone couldn't even find him. They would say, hey, Kiss is being inducted. Do you want to, you know, what are your thoughts? They couldn't find him. So I just think it would be such a great documentary to find him and go, what's your side of your story? Because it's That is told. a good one. I could see, you know, um, so you think like me, man. Um, I, I, I'm always disappointed at the guy that doesn't get the credit that he should get, you know, like, like, dude, when, when, I, when I think of Pink Floyd, I don't think of Roger Waters and I don't think of David Gilmore, you know, um, I think I, I'm always the guy, like I, there's, there's other stories to be told, like, dude, wh where is the fuck? If you thought, um, the door, uh, the doors was a good movie about Jim Morrison. 
Can you imagine? Uh, are you a Pink Floyd fan or not? A little too deep for me, but I, okay. I totally respect their talent. But you know about, I mean, the song Shine On You Crazy Diamond is based on a former member that died, Sid Barrett. You know about him? or? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's out of his fucking, dude, he did so much acid once he for for a long time he thought he was a glass of orange juice <laughs> i've been there and, and and he thought he thought if you if you got too close to him you might knock him over and if you knocked him over he would spill out and he would cease to exist he, he wouldn't be a glass of orange juice anymore so he didn't let people near him like that's fucking i want to see that movie you know what i mean like, yeah i i'm always interested i mean you can't make a documentary or you i mean you can't you can make a documentary on something that's dead but i i'm more interested in the uh what just happened with like rodriguez that movie uh searching for sugar man Did right you see right that? No, I have not. You know about it though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the idea of like, they fucking found this guy. He was like a big deal in South Africa. Right. This motherfucker was Elvis in South Africa and- no one bothered to tell him. Like he didn't know. Like he didn't know that he blew up. Like 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 it, the, the word just. There was no Twitter. There was no way to see that. Well, you're trending. Trending. You better get your bookie agent to book you over here because you're fucking blowing up over here. The, like th this is a great story of like it just it just reminds me of how times once were with payphones and analog and and everything. Where like dude, it took a fucking beat to get information to people. And here's a guy that blew the fuck up and he didn't know it. And so they found this motherfucker homeless. Rodriguez was homeless in Detroit. And somebody said, do you know that like you have fans and like right. you can go make money? And now he's huge. He played at Coachella. He He's touring. And like, you know, I just I like that you think that way because, you know, I have a lot of goals. And, you know, it's not you know, it's not just to be you know, I don't want to just be famous being funny. I can't wait to use my power to 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 produce stories. And I don't give a fuck if it's a documentary I break even on and just sell to Netflix. And it just is something people saw. And like people come up to me and say, I love that you made that. Like, what'd you make off that? Not a dime. I actually lost money. Like, I can't wait to lose money right. on good stories like the ones you're talking about, you know, because I think that's important, dude. You got to make documentaries like that. That's a great idea. I mean, in fact, I'd stop talking about it. <laughs> like, I, uh, do you need to do that? I mean, it just... Dude, I, Earl, I don't want to tell you how to run your career, but dude, Please, I'm telling dude. you right now, I would watch a fucking documentary that opens like this. That like like I would like you could you could literally open your documentary with this conversation that we're having right now. You could literally have the I can see credits rolling. You're coming up from black up to Earl getting ready in the morning, which is, you know, anything from, you know, putting up a new piece of kiss memorabilia to, you know, dealing with, you know, playing a funny voicemail from some, the lead singer of rat going, Hey man, I got to cancel again, dude. I'll be like, I can just see the credits going up and down. And what is a daily life like in Earl's life? And you're like, I can't take this anymore. You know, comics always cancel. The so do singers of fucking rat fucking, you know, I, I, I the last two commercials I booked were 1988. Uh, I'm sick of not being passed to the store. You know what? I'm going to do what I really want to do right now because I'm 40 fucking five. I would watch the documentary of you, not someone else. You Earl Skakel finding what's his name? Vincent. Benny Vincent. I would watch that. And I think a lot of people would watch that. And then the other thing is you'd become this like rock and roll comic that, you know, cause now you're on the road and you're not just a comic. You're like a you're like a comic slash storyteller. You could you could literally book shows in places like Austin and Seattle, like like progressive cities where they still care about you. Like you know, I don't know that you could do. I mean, I I guess I don't really know much about like 
you know, Kiss fans? Are they in Peoria? Is that like a town? Oh, there are Kiss fans are they're everywhere. They're like cockroaches. Well, then you need like here's the thing, dude. If if you are one of them and, and the Kiss Army is truly a Kiss Army, you need to have like a like like you need to like see Death Squad is really tapped into something where it's like like they it like there's these rabid fans that support each other and like it support the other all the, you know Tony and all those guys. Right. Like you need to tap into the Kiss Army, dude. I'm telling you because if you're one of them, they're gonna know they they can cut you open and see that you are oh yeah i if i try to fake it they eventually go dude it's fucking i heard you on earl's podcast and he had to even tell you who Vinny. you know Vincent well not was. a lot of people know who he is but i'm sure a lot of the kiss army does though but it, it's just like the, and i've already got the ending of the uh, the beginning of the podcast could be just like what you said but don't give away the ending if you have it no no okay there's the begin. well it, this might be giving away because i'm i'm gonna give away another part of the beginning was uh you know after he lost all these lawsuits against kiss he needed to make money so you know he's written songs for the bangles you know he used to write jingles for happy days uh he was in the dan hartman band who dan hartman sang that really big song in uh, uh called uh, i can dream about you yeah uh so he's, he's he's not just a metal guy and so he put out a box set on cassette and it came in a pink flying v guitar case because that's what he usually played and i ordered it and i opened it up and there was nothing in there like it was a total scam so what i want to do is i still have the, the earl this is fucking wait one more time but you here's what i wait, do what did you order i ordered the vinnie vincent box set on cassette which should have been a big what red year flag was this there. this is probably mid uh boy left i mean it's sometime in the 90s i mean it's a blur so you ordered it off the internet uh, or vinnievincent.com or whatever the uh, okay so this is post internet yeah. so you order you go to vinnievincent.com and you ordered what the Vinnie Vincent box set. It was supposed to be cassette tapes. Just How many? demos, a six, and it came in this great case. And what else is supposed to be in there? A couple autograph pictures and one. And what happened? So I get the autograph pictures, which was really cool, you know. It, and there was not, there was no cassettes. Like it was like you know that old story you used to hear. People would order a VCR online and they'd get it, and it was just rocks in the box. Like yeah. no, it was kind of like that. So what I want to do is knock. Let's just say the gods look down upon me for once in the entertainment world. We find him. Someone says, "Hey Earl, I'm Vinnie Vincent's brother. We want to do it." Blah blah blah. Is me knocking on his door with my box set, going, "All right, I want my box." Dude, I'm telling you. See, see, see and so I'm glad we're getting back to because earlier I wanted to ask you why you do a lot of self knocking jokes, and I don't know that those are helping you as much as you think that they're. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, helping me? They're not. Well, as much as you think that they're, you know, like, like, you don't need to tell people what place you're in. People know what place you're in. You know why? Because, you know, are you headlining 20 clubs a year? No. Then you're then you're not where you want to be. So no one needs to, no, you, no one needs to be reminded. But it's also very, like it, your personality, it's kind of, I've seen you do it where it really actually does. I say, I'm going to take back part of this because I've seen it. One time, one of my favorite Earl Skagel show, stories is oh. being at the comedy store and you, please tell me you remember this. It's you, it's me, it's, um one of the death squad guys i never seem to know his name um who does the the who does a triple e show with him and he's always there oh, jason tebow is he tall yeah is tall. he usually the bunny or dressed oh up that's like skippy uh simon it might be i think it's tebow it's tebow actually so we're all back there 
And Brody was there and Brody just got word that his show was going to be on, you know, from being the, it used to be the HBO digital series. It was going to be on Comedy Central now. Do you remember kissing his ass to make us all laugh on a really large, hilarious level and moving his car for him? Do you remember this? I don't. You don't remember that? I don't think it was made. I know I never moved Brody's car. Or you joke, or you you at least offered to. Oh yeah, yeah, I might have done that. I do remember us talking in like an inner circle, being because I had like this. I don't do a lot of acting, uh, you know, but I have this uh, character I've kind of developed over the years of being that really phony, fake person. You know, like when I see a big name comic like Russell Peters, I'll walk right up to him and go, "Hey man, can I give you my demo reel to give to Barry Katz?" Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but you were doing it right there, and it's really. You go, you know, you go, um, uh, someone said, Brody, Mr. Comedy Central. You're like, oh, hey, buddy. Brody, did you need me to move your car for you? You know, um, and then you joke, you, you said, I'm not doing this just to be nice. I'm doing this because I would obviously love to be on your Comedy Central show. Like, you, got you, a schmooze, you were like going over the top of it. It was actually really funny. Um, but you said something interesting. You said, um, if, if the gods would once shine down on me, I think the mistake you're making is thinking that fate has anything to do with it. Uh, especially in this YouTube MacBook pro yeah. final cut cameras are less than a thousand dollars world right now. Like dude, like honestly, I could see Russell Peters even fucking wanting to present a documentary like this. Imagine like Russell Peters EPing. I mean, he loves, does he, does he love Kiss? Oh, he's a huge Kiss fan. Are you serious? That's when, where we bonded first. Um, I'm trying to think, who introduces Yoshi Obayashi, a uh-huh. very funny Asian comic. Uh-huh. Uh, was Russell's opener. Uh, one night he introduced us and... Uh, I think we went to Russell's house, uh, probably one of his many houses, and uh, a Kiss video was on, and Russell's eyes lit up. I'm like, "Oh, you like Kiss?" And so we just, and he was a huge Vinny. Vincent I could fan. see Russell eping. So, like, first of all, I'm trying. You need a great title. Like, I think it's like Finding Vinny. No, because that's been done. Like the finding so and so, finding like searching for Sugarman is the you know was the title of the Rodriguez one. Finding maybe where are you, Vinny? Yeah, or or maybe I mean because dude, the poster is you fucking oh you yeah. standing in front of a white backdrop like a white psych wall, and you've got the fucking I you're wearing your fucking kiss shirt, you got your hold holy jeans, whatever. You need to look fucking. I want my box set, Vinny. Like something like you know, dude, where's my cassettes? Or like you know, or where right. am I? Like I'm telling you right now, it's got to be something. I mean, I understand maybe wanting to have Vinny in the title, so that way people do really you know. Um, know what it is or care to learn oh Vinny who who's he talking about what's his name again Vinny what Vinny Vincent Vinny real Vincent. name Vincent Cusano Vincent I'm telling dude you on this on the hunt trying to find that guy tell his story find out why you got this in the mail but the cassettes weren't in it yeah and what's then up? But, but but then somehow this is where it would take the gods shining down but like like making it happen wouldn't take the gods. You just need to fucking do it. Like I could see this getting on at Sundance. Like I it, promise you. Like it, and by the way, if not Sundance, at least Slam Dance. And if and, and and if not even in Utah, there are plenty of festivals that would care about this. And then there's guys that you just need to connect with, like Brian Posehn and right. comics that would care about this. I don't know if Posehn's a Kiss fan or not. I mean, I know he's a fucking major metal guy, but there was uh, some huge guy at Happy Madison. Uh, I don't know how he heard I was a Kiss fan, but he called me up when I was a huge director. Uh, and he's like, hey, I hear you're a Kiss fan. You got some really cool bootlegs. 
uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, man. And I dropped them all off at his house, and I never heard from him again. But Witten, something Witten, big Wait, direct. Uh, Brian Witten? Yes. That's my friend. He Somehow, we, we got in touch. Someone told him I was a huge Kiss fan. I literally dropped off probably 50 uh, audio and uh, mostly uh, v VHS tapes. Of Dude, if we connected Witten, you, me, Russell Peters, I feel like we could fucking get this thing There's started. There's something there, because I'm not even telling you half of this guy's I don't story. want you to. See, like, uh, I understand you. Uh, by the way, the thing that you gave away doesn't, that's perfect. That's actually what you need to sell it. The rest, you shouldn't share with everybody, because the rest should unfold. But that's a great hook into it. I mean, because it's a personal, you've now not just made it a curiosity a factor. It's like a personal, like, dude, I, I, I'm your biggest, I'm the guy out there fucking defending your name saying, I'm only fan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, he put out, here's another beauty. And I don't, and people who would watch just already know this story. I don't feel like I'm giving it away. So he puts out this album called Guitar Mageddon. <laughs> oh, that's already 71 funny. minutes, which is a lot of, uh, you know, most albums I think are like 40 minutes or whatever. So I get it in the mail. I open it up. I'm so fucking excited to get it. What year? Uh, this has got a maybe early 2000s, late 90s, maybe. Uh, and so I, I'm putting in the, the CD player and uh, it's just him doodling. So I'm like, all right, I'm kind of not into this first song. So I, I fast forward. It goes to the end. Yeah. I'm like. Oh, maybe maybe there's a skip or something. He made it so you couldn't. You have to listen to the whole thing. You couldn't fast forward to like another part. Like you had to listen to seventy one minutes. You you. It was basically one track. Like you either were gonna listen to the whole thing or you weren't listening to it. Yeah. And I just thought it was like a big fuck you. Like it was just you know like he was making you listen to the whole thing like do you ever listen to a whole album initially it depends you might hopscotch around well no there's bad i mean like radiohead i the first thing i, I mean I, it's like a whole day like i fucking break down that album you know if it's a band that i love dude you know i'm a huge ben folds fan i listen to right. everything he does you know like but dude this is a great story uh Vinny, where's my cassette tapes? Or I'm, what are the, what's the title of where's this? Where's my dude? box set, you bastard? Come on, you inappropriate Earl fans. We need to get this trending on Twitter. What is the title of Earl's documentary? And then, dude, where's my cassettes? You could interview. I don't think Gene and Paul would do it because they would probably want money. I mean, this would be a pretty low budget thing, but I'm sure the guys from Slaughter would be, hey, man, you worked with him last. <laughs> What's up with this guy? And you just could interview, like, you know, different band members. I mean, Dan Hartman's dead, so you're not going to get him in the mix, but, uh, you know, just... He's such an enigma. And just the fact that Rolling Stone, with all their resources, all their inside leads, I mean, you couldn't find him. I mean, did they write an article about how they couldn't find they him? They did. It was really cool. And that was the whole thing. You know, Gene and Paul wanted the original members. Or no, they wanted the current band to be inducted. And Rolling Stone was like, uh-uh. It's Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter. Nobody else. So they, I think they were trying to reach out to Vinny and be like, well, you rescued their careers in the 80s, which he did. You know. This is a great untold story. What, what else could be called? Vincent Van Cassette? Yeah, Vincent Van Gone Nowhere. <laughs> Vincent Van Gone Nowhere. So, guys, tweet. Um, you, you know, 
first of all, I, I got a haircut at five. I'm not going to lie to you. I, oh, yeah. No, I got to get my kids. No, too. no, no, no. But, I, you know, I, I want see, this is so good. You could come back next week or whenever. That We didn't even talk about greatest concerts. We didn't really even get into your comedy and film career. So, Which is fine because, I, I, you know, many times, like, I've, like I actually kind of like that because, like, sometimes I feel like, you know, people start to say, oh, yeah, so you, you told the story about how you sold Con again, Comedy Central. I'm like, well, yeah, the person asked. What was I supposed to do? Tell them, hey, I've already answered that on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, we have to remember that not only do you have your fans that w- that listen to your podcast, then I've got mine following me to yours. Then there's just comedy fans in general that, like, just like to jump around and go, what's going on? And they start to hear the same stories over and over. They're like, oh, I've already heard that story about how he got his sad right. card or fucked his first girlfriend or, you know, whatever, you know. I mean, but- I try and make it a little different. Like, you know, it, when the guy, Stephen Piercing from Rack, comes on, he's told the story millions of times how he founded the band and scene. Yeah, you're going to have to you're, you're going to need to come up with some stuff cuz you also want to impress him. You want him to go, I really liked what he asked me cuz it, it I haven't been asked some of those things ever or in a long time. You well, know? I'm such a fan of his that you know, I'll ask him about Arcade, which was the band he did after Rat. I was at their first show at the Troubadour, you know, and he that in Arcade is the drummer from Cinderella, Fred Curry, who I'm trying to get on uh this podcast, you know, because he had the greatest quote ever in rock history. Cinderella was pretty big for a while. You know, they had a nice peak in the like 87 to like 90. Uh, and they were like, well, Fred, what, what's your career goal, man? I mean, you guys are hot band. What do you want to do with your life? He's like, I just want to be good enough to play on the albums. Really? So I was like, huh? Wait, then that was like my first like, oh, you didn't play on the album? I just assumed that every band plays on their own album. Yeah. And, you know, then, you know, once I got really into Kiss and find out that Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter very rarely played on the same album, even back in the day. Um, yeah, the so. session guys. Yeah. And, and you start learning about that. You know, you know a lot about music. What do, you, what do you think of the top five comedians that know the most about music? We're in it. I mean, I would say you, you me, Dean Del Rey. He's a huge... Uh, he knows a lot about music. I, um, I don't know that Posehn. he would say that about me and include me, but I'll include him. Well, I mean, I don't... And see, this is the beauty of me. I And I'm not... Uh, if I didn't have to go get my quaff done, we would delve into this. Uh, like, I'm in such a bubble. I don't know who likes who, who gets along with who, who doesn't like who. So when I'm asked to make a top five list, I could put mortal enemies together, uh, you know, and not... You know, it just. Um, I'm not in his deep. Oh no! I by just, any means, but it, for it, it, he has. I think he has a thing with me. He because he, he's it's something weird. Is he's followed me twice on Twitter and then unfollowed me, and then I've run into him a couple times recently. And like he used to be a lot warmer towards. I don't know. He, he, I think he has a thing with me. I got no thing with him. Oh no, he's cool to me. I mean, we used he's to do. Cool to uh, he really was my uh, the push into doing a podcast is I used to go on his podcast. We would do like special episodes when I would be like his co-host. And it was like, okay, this is how it's done. And at the end of the day, I just got too lazy to drive up to his house every Thursday. So yeah. like, I think I'll do my own. Um, but, and Brian Posehn, uh, Ian Bagg's pretty knowledgeable uh, about... Uh, I'd be Posehn up there, Bag, you, me, Dean... Nick Yusef, Yusef is Yusef. Uh, we did that at the same time. That's hilarious. Um, and then I mean Don Barris actually is unbelievable with his music knowledge. Like, oh really? 
he and it's not just like i'm more towards one genre uh, he's like a huge Beatles freak. He'll tell you who played on Zeppelin five. You know, he, he's like a rain man on, on music, you know, for 45s. He's got like hunt thousands of 45. So, but uh, will you come back, baby? Fuck yeah, dude. Dude, do you have anything you want to plug? When's the next improv show? Uh, when is this being released? Tonight. Uh, it's this is being released tonight. Uh, Tuesday, the 17th of June, 10 PM comedy rocks. Me, uh, Marilyn Rice Cub from 24. Uh, Chloe, from 24. Chloe from 24. Um, me, 10 p.m. June 17th, Hollywood Improv. God, I'm missing the lineup. Who the heck is on it? Oh, 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 oh. Um, uh, uh, Jim Jeffries, uh, Chris D'Elia, um, Gerard Carmichael. Uh, it's gonna be a good show. Oh, uh, Gerard's the best. So nice too. Waiting here back on a couple people. Uh, offer out to Bill Burr. Offer out to Swartzen. They'll let me know soon. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's that. And then I'm headlining um, Harrow's Casino in Vegas, uh, July 28th through August 3rd. And I got Pachanga coming up in September. I don't remember the dates, but uh, all you gotta do is follow me on Twitter at the Skyler Stone. That's T H E S K Y L E R S T O N E. Uh, well, follow Skyler. He's, you know, there's not many people you stay in contact in this business with outside of, you know, what they can do for you, what you can do for, for sure. them. Uh, he's seriously, if I could keep 10 people in the L.A. comedy world for my 15 years in it, he'd be one of them. That's my man. I feel the same way about you, Earl. And so. if I quit comedy. We'll go I, to concerts together. I would, yeah, I would still be in contact with you and i can't say that about probably less than five people <laughs> so awesome, dude. skylar stone this has been inappropriate earl we're on soundcloud and for you steve job nut swingers you can still uh log on to itunes leave a review man if you're uh some of skylar's fans who don't know who i am which i'm assuming is all of you uh <laughs> you know check out the pod leave a nice review on itunes it helps me get uh, higher up the fucking featured ladder whatever that means and uh uh, you know, this will be released uh, tonight. Uh, game uh, five, Kings and Blackhawks. Let's go, Kings. Are you pumped? I'm pumped. This is Kings could win it all tonight and get into the cup finals. When was uh, their last game? Last night? They played Monday night. They beat the Blackhawks, I think, five, six to th- – they beat them by three or four goals. I was at uh, game uh, – was it game three with Sarah Tiana? She was my good luck charm. I love uh, Sarah. Sarah's the best. Follow Sarah's her. Awesome. She's uh, talented. Really cool chick. And it's, it's, Her and I were extras in – in sync music video together in 2001. Hey man, it's a credit. Yeah. So I was an extra in a Suzanne Summers TV movie of the week. Um, I'll take a bombing for 500, Alex. I, I was the worst. Uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. And I'd like to thank my sponsors. We're not fucking around on this podcast. Fuck no. Stevie Rochelle from the great 80s metal band Tough provides the music to this uh, sound, uh, this uh, iPod uh, podcast, the great song Forever Yours. Buy it on iTunes. And a thank you to Stephen Piercy, the great legendary singer. Uh, well, he's not the singer of Rat anymore. Go check his bands out. Arcade, Vicious Delight, Vertex. He provides the Mike Knuckles for the show. Go on MikeKnuckles.com. Buy, uh, you know, buy a couple Mike Knuckles. And uh, we'll see you on the Information Superhighway. And I'd like to leave you with words of wisdom. If you think you can, you probably can't.